Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and I'm excited to bring you this one, the third of our mountain bike quarantine podcast, and this one is with another full-fledged member of the Gypsy gang, Eddie Masters. He is a New Zealand ripper that has a pretty incredible story of how, I guess, he made mountain biking his full-time gig. Uh, he is the brother of legendary wind masters and they make up maybe the coolest brothers in all of mountain biking in my opinion probably biased but uh eddie's a lord wins a lord and i'm stoked that they have now both made appearances on the podcast this podcast today is brought to you by the legends at albert co their range of incredible bags bike bags gear bags backpacks they're dropping at the end of this month. They have been made by Johnny McLean and his team at Lusty Industries. And you've probably bought a bag off them in years previous, but this is their own brand. They've taken all of that knowledge of selling thousands and thousands of bags, seeing all the warranty claims come in. They know if anybody knows, they know what can be done better in the bag game and they are about to change said game. Uh, right now, you can follow them on Instagram at albeckco, A-L-B-E-K-C-O. Stay tuned. We've got some cool stuff coming up with those legends. We are also brought to you by the guys at RideRap. You can head to www.riderap.ca. What is RideRap, you ask? Well, RideRap is a bicycle protection company. They offer different degrees of protection to make sure people can get exactly what they need. Their highest degree of coverage is tailored protection. This is a kit that covers up to 95% of the bike frame and is designed to match each model and size. Their library of models is growing every single day and they likely have exactly what you are looking for. And if they don't, they will have it soon. Their mid-range is covered protection. This one is a universal fit that is specific to match the frame style. That means they have kits that are made for dual suspension mountain bikes, hardtails, e-bikes, and road bikes, and they fit a huge range of models. Uh, their essential uh, protection kit protects the areas of the bike and frame that are most prone to wear and will fit any type of 
bike make model or frame style. Uh, they are available in either a matte or a gloss finish and the wrap is self-healing so that minor marks and scuff disappear with a bit of heat. And they've got a product called Shuttle Armor that provides additional protection from the abuse that comes with shuttle laps. You can head once again to riderap.ca. Next, we're brought to you by the legends at Crush Oz. And if you listen to the Brooke McDonald podcast, which I'm pretty sure that you did, you would know that these guys were our first ever sponsor. Man, we've, yeah, we have been with these guys since day one. And uh, I would just recommend you going to crushoz.com, uh, getting their bike care bucket. Uh, it comes with rapid wash. It comes with their premium bike wash. Uh, it's got a drivetrain cleaner in there as well. Uh, and an afterwash, they've got a chamois, they've got like the scrubbing brush deal. I uh, really do take pride in washing my bikes these days and the Crush products definitely make it a lot easier. So crushoz.com. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dry Times. I can tell you what, being wet, it's a thing of the past. Dry Times is the world's best towel. Born and raised on the pristine beaches of the Gold Coast, Australia, Dry Times is the world's best towel. Inspired by good times and purpose built to work hard and play even harder. Beach, gym, pool, travel, moto, whatever your passion, Dry Times is all about creating incredible towels for every adventure. Uh, the fabric is in sane it's like a chamois for your body you know when you chamois a car and you're like how does it get it this dry this quick that's pretty much what these towels are like man towels have been the same forever but the game has changed sand free lightweight and compact and ready for any adventure they're ultra uh, they are ultra absorbent and their performance fabric is five times faster drying than a standard cotton towel Purpose-built for long sun-soaked days on the sand or by the pool and guaranteed to keep you sand-free and super dry. Get wet, dry fast. I'm excited. You can head to drytimes.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for 15% off. That code is also going to be good. It's a family-friendly code, you know, because, you know, Sam's last codes, they were quite derogatory towards me personally. Uh, I let it fly because, you know what? He's me mate, and sometimes you just got to help dudes out that are kind of like that. Um, but we've changed the code, so it's just a gypsy gang. Uh, wait, should I actually check that? I probably should check that. Sam Moore. I've programmed family-friendly codes for Fist Oz, Fist USA, Dixon, and Dry Times. So Gypsy Gang is going to get you 15% off. That will get you 15% off at fisthandwear.com. That will get you 15% off at drytimes.com. And that will get you 15% off at dixonquality.com.au. Uh, we are also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. And if you've been following our social media uh, this week, you will see that they're close to hitting 100k on the gram, and those nutcases have gone and bought maybe the only 110 left in Australia from Honda, and they're giving that away once they hit 100k. So, not only can you head to rivalinkdesignco.com to get the dopest stickers for your dirt bike in the game right now, but you can also follow the links uh, to do with that promotion and you can go in the draw to win yourself a CRF 110. Unfortunately, I think I'm out of the draw, which I think is bullshit, but it is what it is. Rivalinkdesignco.com. All right, thank you very much for listening to my dribble, but 
without further ado, I bring you a really good podcast with a really, really good dude, Eddie Masters. Thank you. I've like, well, because I followed the podcast, I feel like I've like kind of know you, but we've never talked to each other. I know, dude. It's such a, um, <laughs> it's such a weird one. Like social media is bizarre for that because yeah, like, man, I feel like we've spoke to each other, like not like we've had in-depth yeah, yeah. combos and that, but, and then, you know, wins like one of me wins my Kiwi brother, to be honest. So to, to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the fact that we've never really hung out is, um, is, uh, yeah, bizarre, but I'm keen to get this Bit one. Bit of a down. trip, eh? Yeah, how's it all going anyway, just as a general hair going? Uh, fuck, it's been, uh, best way to describe it is the days are slow, but the first week's been quick, so, yeah, um, it's been all good, just, it's kind of like, you don't really interact with anyone, but I've been using the time to, like, catch up with mates and shit on the phone, so, mm. but, um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend going and living in, like, a hotel room or spending a bunch of time in a hotel room, but it's been all good. Yeah, I suppose, like, I mean, I've said it, um, like, I haven't had to go through it, but I've sort of said from the start, I actually wouldn't mind, but, I mean, I, I'll spend fucking six hours reading a book and not really notice that the time's gone, and I sort of don't get yeah. to do that too much in my daily life. Like, that, to me, is a, actually an idea of a sick day these days. But, um, but yeah, yeah. No, I've been, like, um, reading some books and shit, um, doing a bit of writing just oh, trying yeah. to trying to just trying to do stuff that um kills time eh because well and like otherwise i just sit on my phone all day and mm. uh yeah it's a bit it's just a black hole like, i just end the day and your eyes are sore and shit so um got a bit of a routine in place now so it's been i don't know the days are getting easier yeah yeah what um what books are you reading at the nah. moment uh at the moment i'm reading a pat benatar um autobiography yeah and um yeah i read one called lion there's like a movie about it about an indian boy who gets lost and uh he gets lost in india and then ends up um being adopted to tasmania and then uses google maps to like find his home like 25 years later in india no way and that's is that a true Um, story yeah 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 so it actually was like uh they did like a biopic and stuff on it um it's pretty it's pretty good it's called the movie's called lion and the book is as well but i think it was originally called the long way home oh Um, yeah 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 so it was pretty it's pretty good i'd seen the movie so i kind of knew what was happening but the book's always better yeah i actually just finished reading the green mile oh true Yeah. yeah so i've seen that but i haven't read the book would you recommend it mate honestly like i mean i read a lot of books a book hasn't made me fucking like physically tear up i don't i don't think i've ever (laughs) i don't think i've ever actually cried in a book but the last i did it was a sick book to the point where i was reading like every time i sat down like i I think i only had like four sessions of reading it so yeah i like sat down the first day was after we did that race in rocky and then we were on early beach and I just laid on the fucking beach for an hour and I, I pumped through like a hundred pages of it then. And then I had a couple other, like maybe two other sit downs with it. 
and then read the the whole last like 140 pages in in one go on like monday morning fuck my whole schedule for work <laughs> but uh, dude it was i'll get a i'll have to put it on the list dude it's an easy read like uh, i haven't read any stephen king before um i got a crazy russian and she always recommends uh like these weird fucking books that i'd never read but they've actually everyone that she has <laughs> recommended has been pretty sick i'm uh, the crazy right. russian crazy russian book club but um but yeah, yeah dude it was unbelievable man like it yeah and i'd, I'd love the movie as well um but to see uh, to, to read it and like what he could do with the story and like just how quickly you could smash like literally a hundred pages just gone and yeah, that, that's so the, i think that's the best eh? yeah so but um i've had a i've had a couple real real good ones um like that lately but yeah that one by far and away like one of the craziest reading experiences i've had yeah i just like it because I, I don't read it enough i used to read a bunch when i was at school and when i was at uni and but like nowadays, I just oh, I just been getting sucked into the trap of screens, and it's been yeah. quite a nice reality trick to just sit back and read a book because um, it's so good. Like even just like yeah, you forget how to read and how to write and how yeah. people put words together. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, well, they just uh, if you if you sit on your phone all day, you end up becoming a phone. Dude, you know what's fucking hectic, dude? Like, uh, is, I mean, I've, I I talk about it probably too much, but like, the the way that we use our attention, like our attention is fucked up. Like even me, I'm I'll do um like I'm so so conscious of it these days, and I'll do you know like there's a minimum of um you know two hours meditation I try and do throughout the week, like overall. And, you know, I spent a lot of time reading and even me, like I was walking down the stairs the other night and oh, it was last night and I just had an idea pop in my head and I'm literally walking with a fucking garbage bag and my phone in one hand, I've got to go to the shed, unlock my shed, then I'll ride my bike into town to get dinner. And just in the time of like struggling with keys and phones and a garbage bag, the thought popped in my head to text somebody and then I just immediately, like, you reach for your phone. And you, it's like this cluster fuck. I'm like, I just put my phone in. Oh, it wasn't texting somebody. I wanted to check how our latest YouTube video was doing. And I just, it just hit me and I stopped myself. I started doing it. And I was like, fuck this. I really don't need yeah, yeah. To, to pull my phone out and check my YouTube stats when I'm probably going to do it again when I get to ramen. But our brain is yeah. now just hardwired to be a fuckfest, dude, of just, like, constant shit. Just, like, and you can do it. Like, if I'm, yeah. like, if I'm like, what's the population of uh, Saudi Arabia? Bang, there it is. You know, we just, the limitations of having a thought and then chasing that thought to a result, it's just gone. Like, it's so mm. instantaneous now. And I think it's just created these, fuck, like, we're fucking scattered constantly oh completely man like do you think though so when i was like a grom and stuff i used to like read magazines and i can remember everything you know you can withhold all that knowledge but nowadays yeah. your brain's just a serve because it's just in and out but you can also like pull it just straight off your phone so you don't like you don't remember any of the details 
Do you and, know? Uh, do you know Wynn's phone number? Uh, Off yeah. by heart. Uh, I know, probably his old phone number, but I don't know if he's got a new one. Yeah, because um, like, what's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm a bit of a numbers guy, so I always remember uh, numbers. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean that um, that ability, like directions and. Like there's there's some places now, like I don't know if you've got this as well, but there's places that I'll go where I go there all the time, but I still need to use my maps. And I'm like, come on, what are we doing here? But then like the, the flip <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then the flip side of that is like what what do we need to remember this shit? Like is the are we using that bandwidth for like more important stuff, arguably, than like remembering a phone number or whatever? But it's a it's a weird thing to think about, right? Mm. all right so it trips it trips me out i'd like um i don't know i think uh sometimes like i'd like to use my time and everything more wisely and do more productive things but then i don't know it depends on what you deem productive because mm. yeah but it's a yeah it's a tough one for sure yeah the the screens thing though i mean i think that as much time as you could spend off a screen these days is probably the move because yeah i just don't i think that there's just so many like just trappings of it in turn i think it just takes away from like your experience of like what is where you are who you're with like you know there's there's a lot mm. of just the obviously it's uh, yeah it's like great that we've got the ability to um, connect and find out information and stuff like that. But if it gets to the point, there's just got to be a balance of like guaranteeing like a good human experience. Yeah, exactly. Like just put the phone down and see it through your own eyes. You don't need to put it on your story and then watch mm. it back. It's better just to watch it in person. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for it, but I'd like to, I like to think that that is the best way, even though sometimes I don't always live by it. Mm. what um so what sort of stuff have you been writing um fuck i just wrote i just wrote a bit of an opinion piece oh. about how the uci yeah yeah um just to stir the pot a bit about some stuff that obviously i'm quite passionate about but yeah. um yeah so I, I just think that um yeah no one's really no one really goes to bat for the little guys and downhill mm. is a down, well, world downhill now is a different place to when I started. So, like, I came from privateer. I didn't come up through like, mm, um, like a junior I, team I wasn't sort of deal. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't have my like career paved out at all. I never. I never even like thought I was going to have a career. I was just there for a good time. Um, but yeah, so I always like to think. Don't forget where you came from, and now. Mm the playing field isn't as level as it was when I started. Um, it's harder for privateers to race. The whole race itself is harder for them. And uh, it's only getting harder and no one seems to care. So I just wrote a bit of a uh, stir the pot piece um, and threw it out this morning. And it's been pretty well received. Obviously, there's always two sides to every mm. argument. And um, I could, yeah, I'm always... Yeah, I can definitely see different perspectives, but I just think right at the moment, um, everything's geared towards uh, the top pros. But 
a lot of these top pros, they came from out, you know, they weren't winning mm. races from the get go. Yeah. So, um, there's nothing to say that the next like Bruni is someone who's going to fail to qualify a few times at his first world cup. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, that's, that's the nature of downhill that, um, you can, you know, it ta- it's a kind of sport that takes a while to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So what's like, so the I current... just think, yeah. Sorry, man. Oh, no, no, carrot. So I was just saying, um, yeah. So I just wrote down, wrote down a few words and, um, yeah, had a had a few slide digs at the UCI, which is like our governing body. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, fuck. Like, we obviously just had Brooke on, and he's talking about his uh, the ordeal of getting off that fucking hill, and you know the fact that it still doesn't really sound like from him that the UCI was you know offered much of an apology or even came to him as like a person that had this crazy experience and be like hey man we realized that yeah you were on a fucking hill with a broken back for a really long time and you know what could we have done better and what could you know what do you think we should do going forward because it's like you know you can you got a guy that's just speaking from this first-hand experience that they just haven't seen so it sounds like there's a bunch of stuff that the uci uh, or riders aren't extremely stoked with when it comes to the uci yeah well, there's just, uh, you know, obviously, officially, they have writer's reps and stuff. But um, in my eyes, like the writer's reps um, aren't really doing their job because the writers aren't getting repped. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, there's rule changes and stuff that no one knows about. And who, uh, who is everything kind of. Uh, so the writer rep is Greg Minar. And I love Greg. He's a great guy. But, um, you know, there are you know, there are, without like pointing fingers and shooting guns, it's like there are some things that could change for the better. Yeah. Um, and that's not entirely his fault, but um, it would be good to see him leading the charge in terms of like opening up the communication and stuff. But yeah. like bringing it, bringing it back to Brooks stuff, um, you know, like there was, obviously it was a, shit situation from the get-go with the evacuation and stuff and like no one was to blame it was just because there were the procedures in place weren't quite adequate to deal with an accident like that Mm. but you think like just on a human level ringing just ringing up the guy and saying like how are you going (laughs) like (laughs) you know like that's what that's what you're meant to no like that's what you're meant to do like as a yeah. person you just it's it's like if uh, someone gets knocked over in the street and you don't know them like you don't personally know them but you like ask if they're okay or they need a hand yeah and like um there was none of that and there still hasn't been and like mm. that's that's embarrassing for them yeah 100 like, percent. yeah it's, it's real easy <laughs> yeah, to, it's... like real easy to call yeah yeah so i'm like I was talking to Brooke about it and he's like, I don't want to hold a grudge. And I'm like, dude, you're not holding a grudge. It's like, if, if they're saying fuck you to, if they're saying fuck you, you say it back. Cause like, that's essentially what's going on is, mm. uh, yeah, there's obviously you're not gonna, you know, you're not going to go, go and buy the bloke a beer. Yeah. Um, and he, and he, and they haven't said, Hey, like, 
great to see you back or you know yeah. like his his recovery his recovery was like remarkable yeah and the whole world watched the whole world watched it and there's no way that you're in charge of a mountain bike organization and you didn't see all of this unfolding so to be at a race and know that he was there and just to not go up and say hey it's great to have you back is um yeah that's that's embarrassing i reckon what about on the broadcast and stuff like was there any content made around the like the recovery and you know was there any sort of because like, I'm just thinking, if I'm promoting a race, Brooke McDonald gets fucked up and then makes a remarkable recovery. Like, if you look at the, the UFC, and I mean, this is me just assuming that the UCI wants to make the sport bigger and better. Like, so yeah, let's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't even know if they give a fuck. Like, so this is just mm. me as a person thinking that if I was running that organization, I'd probably want to make it bigger and better. And it's like, you look at the UFC they just tell stories like that's what sells their entire sport the 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 fighting is almost a secondary component to the stories that they sell and you know like yeah to be fight on the weekend and it's like khabib nurgamedov 28 and 0 his father just died he's doing this for his father's legacy and it's like that's everything like that's the whole fucking broadcast and you you're getting sucked into these stories and it's like you kind of don't you don't even have to be a fight fan to relate to somebody that's gone through that and then all of a sudden that's your horse in the race and then it's like you have one of the sports top guys go down like red bull dude like all the way from new zealand breaks his back at world champs motherfuckers back at world champs a year later it's like there's a song and dance in that and Mm. you know that is something that you can kind of get people to like watch the broadcast, like give them a reason to watch that guy, like make it this. So, I mean, on a personal level, you should probably want to call the guy and say, you know, like, are you all good? Blah, blah, blah. Welcome back to the races. But just on a fucking business level, like that shit could like make you more money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, so the UCI are like kind of the rule makers. It's not, um, and then like Red Bull, so Red Bull were kind of selling the story and there was mm. obviously like lots of, uh, a fair bit of hype around him returning. Yeah. Um, and every, all the commentators and stuff were making a big deal about it because oh, it see. was a big deal. Yeah. Deservedly so. Um, but yeah, the UCI are just kind of like the, the ones who. So they're the just like the and, governing body. Like that's all they do. Yeah. Yeah. So Red Bull. Red Bull are in charge of like the broadcasting yeah. um, and they, and like they've done a great job elevating the sport because to like whole new levels, which is sick. And then the UCI are the, they're kind of like the, they're just the governing body who implement mm. the rules and uh, yeah, but it's kind of, I don't know, from the outside looking in, it's, it's a bit of an inside jobs and a bit of a mafia vibe about it. So yeah, yeah in, in what? It's, always, it's always it's always good to stick it to the man yeah yeah but in what like because i mean the governing body like it's sort of the same in motocross really like you've got the fim like i fucking hate the involvement of the fim and like their drug testing policies and the 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 penalties that they hand down it's just like it's a fucking shit show like an absolute shit show and i feel like i mean it's probably a it's a huge tangent but like just in general the way that people are penalized in um 
you know, motocross. Because, like, essentially, I, I was talking about it um, with Cody Mackey. And I was like, if you, like, you drug cheat or whatever, let's say you, you know, take human growth hormone or fucking whatever, you get caught with steroids. In one moto or, like, one moto or one season, I said to him, like, all right, how about you run a 450 in the 250 class? Like, what would give you a bigger advantage in terms of, you know, like, winning that race? And then he's like, well, the 450, like, 100%. So, it's like, okay, so over the 450 motor would give you more of an advantage than if you just took steroids. He's like, oh, 100%. I'm like, all right, so go put a 450 motor in your bike and see if you get banned for four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get yeah. black flags uh, and then you change your motor and then you can ride the next fucking race. Yeah. That's, uh, I've never really thought of it like that, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good way of putting it. eh? Um, but yeah, any of those kind of, any of these, everyone, most athletes seem to have a bit of a, uh, well, I never, never seem to be that stoked with the governing mm. body of whatever sport it seems, but, um, yeah, it's just like, um, they make it hard for people to have World Cup events. They make, there's like, you have to jump through so many hoops, which mm. count out certain, like, you know, like we, I, I guess you've probably like heard of Whistler and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crankworks, like, but they should be having a World Cup there. It's like, it's just. It's like it's, a mecca yeah, of mountain biking. Bring, exactly. And like during the biggest bike festival of the year, you know, you've got like, hundreds of thousands of people going there um and I, I know that they've like tried to make it happen but the uci just like keep kind of putting up roadblocks and stuff but like you should be trying to bring this elevate the sport and take it to new places like yeah rather than so like for the past for the past like six or seven years we like con we raced mainly the same destinations yeah um and it's because you have to meet such strict criteria and jump through so many hoops that a lot of events like never get off the ground. Whereas like my thinking would be like, well, the riders want it. They want different tracks. And isn't it good to, and the viewers as well want to see different tracks because it is kind of, it, it is a bit the same, same when you, when you've been like racing on the same track for six years, mm. um, that it'd be sick to go some new places and they kind of are, but, um, I'm sure there's a lot more goings on in the background that I'm not aware of, but from the outside, uh, I'm sure everyone, fans, writers, and everyone in between would be stoked to see some change. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think it's one of those things too, where, you know, there, there is like a, a bit of a disconnect when the people that like, when it's just a governing body and they don't have like a vested interest in the actual, growth of the sport itself and it's just like the there's like uh a reference at a bunch but i think it's like important to think about that it's like if you are a computer programmer and you, you can build these systems and then you, you make the goal of the system to just run that and give it no other parameters no uh, no no other objectives and it all it will do is just like fight to stay a system and I think that that's sort of the same thing that happens in like government and the same thing that happens in like the FIM or the UCI. It's like that it's just this system and it's like, hey, 
we're just trying to stay a system. Can you leave it? You know what I mean? Like, just chill out, bro. Like, we're just over here being what we're supposed to be. There's no, there's no, nothing else in the system that would say, like, one of the functions of the system is to grow the sport or whatever it is that's involved in. And I think that that's, like, such a, that's just such, like, a weird thing to put on uh, a governing body because then you, you've got this, like, this resistance that is just going to be inevitable because let's say, yeah, you've got Red Bull and then Red Bull's got to deal with the UCI and be like, we want to go to these tracks because it can film, it get, you know, we can film with these different things or blah, blah, whatever the reason, or we're already here for Crankworks. And then, you know, the UCI then can push back with like all of these things that would have to happen that are outside of their system for that event to work. And then they're like, mm, I don't know, man, I feel like we just kind of want to keep being a system. Like it doesn't really, th there's no incentive there for the UCI to do anything different than what it just sort of does. No, exactly. And I, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head there and that's how it seems to be. But, um, there's, there's like some pushback now from the writers and stuff. So hopefully, um, hopefully we'll see some change, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, fuck dude, I've got like, what is my dream job? It never seems like a job. I'm lucky to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah, I just want, you know, like I'm not complaining at all because, um, I'd go and race the same tracks for the next 10 years. If I, if it meant I could keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. But it'd just but it's be part cool, of having you know, passion, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, yeah, if you, like, if, even if you speak out a bit and then it starts getting some traction and then 10 years down the track, something does change. Well, it was worth it, but don't get me wrong. It's like what we do, we're fucking lucky. It's yeah. sick. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, uh, you know, it's not that bad yeah dude I, I find one of the things that i'm finding more and more lately and especially in old corona time is that i just feel like leaders are done like there's just no leaders in the world anymore i feel like the, our culture's just been so fucking nerfed down and it's so anytime you want to step outside the box or put your hand up and be a leader you're either going to get told or oh, who the fuck you think you are or you're going to get um you know the powers that be are going to push back or somebody's going to take the things that you said out of context. It just seems like it's too hard these days. Like there's so many roadblocks to just standing up and being like a legitimate leader. And it's like, again, to go back to the UFC, you've got like, that's an organization that's got a definite leader. Like he's the dude that is in charge. Dana White is like the dude that's in charge of the UFC. Like, you know, the direction that it's going and then there's a, a press conference at everything and he'll just tell you exactly what's going on and it's like you can see that that sport benefits from leadership and it's like in motocross i don't know that we have like this clear leader well, who's the guy like yeah like i follow motocross but i wouldn't know who uh what's who his name guy uh, oh, fuck i'm tripping on the dude's name um but you know, I should know. Is I I, I he's know. not he's not like the Messiah. He's not like Dana White. Yeah, but I mean, and it's not like everyone needs to act like him as such. Um, but it's like there should be a rep. You know what I mean? There should be a guy where you're like, 
even if you hate the dude, you're like, well, he's got a hard job to do. Like he's dealing with a lot. And, but it's like, who the fuck can you even say that about? You know, and for the outdoors, yeah. it's Davy Coombs. And I think he's like, you know, people sort of know um, that he's sort of the guy. But again, it's not like a super active kind of role. And that's why um, I'm not sure if you know who Adam Bailey is, but we just had him on the podcast and he's the guy that um, him and Sando run. He's Ozex. the Ozex Open guy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm so stoked that there's a guy like him that has now stood up and he like is willing to have the voice and he's willing to talk through the issues of like because i mean even for me during that podcast with him i'm like i'm like well what's your take because i hate that we go to these dog shit little stadiums put eight start gates and then have like it's literally terrible in terms of like my experience of that race but then he'll sit there and just say well we got 80% of attendance have, have nothing to do with motorcycles. They wouldn't know the difference between a double or a quad or if whoops were big or small, like they don't know. And that's the gateway into like people becoming fans of the sport. So like, that's ultimately what should matter. And then it's like, mm -hmm. all right, I can, uh, I'm can get, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's like a position that I've yeah, held. Yeah. Like a, that's a thing I've like spoke about and I've talked about, but I got a guy there that's like, I trust that. I trust him. I respect him. And then he says that that's the way it is. And then I'm like, hmm. okay, okay. All right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm catching it. <laughs> but it's like, that's leadership. And, you know, you could, yeah. you could, it's a risk to go out and be that guy and to talk like that and to take, even just to like take a stance on issues can be fucking daunting these days. But it's like, there's a guy that's down to do it. And I'm personally better as a fan and a per, like someone in the industry for it because I'm like, okay, I got a bit of context. I got a bit of perspective. Oh, maybe I won't shit can those races. And, you know, because now I, I get it. And it's like, I just think that, you know, leadership is not around in the form that it, that it used to be. No. And I think uh, partly because everything you say lasts forever. Mm, true like uh that's kind of a risk that's kind of a daunting thing in itself because you're like you've always got to be so pc or at least lift yourself one do one door open to get out the back yeah true <laughs> like huh? uh you know like you can't you can't say some you can't go out you can't go on paper and call people out and then say you didn't do it because they'll just be like no nah, you said it <laughs> yeah and so, nowadays like you can't uh, say sorry like you know you can say oh i did say that i was kind of fucked up and people are like too bad bro you're done <laughs> yeah 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 so no i guess times have changed but i don't know um i know it's, it's interesting that you like mentioned covid because um i was listening to i think it was the podcast you did with troy candy mm. saying how um you know like we we think we will have all this freedom but we don't really. Nah. We just do what we're told. Dude. <laughs> yeah. And it's... like, I, I do too. It's like, uh, you know, as soon as we went into lockdown, I went home and lock, locked down. It was like, that's what <laughs> yeah. we're told to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I went out digging trails and got caught by the police. They sent me home. I went home with the tail between my legs because yeah. that's what they told me to do. It wasn't like, nah, fuck the system. Fuck COVID. I'm free. I'm out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just like, oh, okay, sorry, officer. I'll go home then. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so we're not, we're definitely not as free as we think we are. But um, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm no expert. Um, I don't, traveling around Europe and shit while gone, it like definitely um, opened my eyes uh, a bit because I thought it was going to be like apocalyptic and the media were making it out to be this mm. crazy thing. But um, life was pretty normal. Like, I got off the plane in Geneva, went to Morzine, got on the piss, went to the pub. Life was normal. I was like, this isn't what I was expecting. Uh, and then from there on in, obviously they brought in masks pretty soon after that. But fuck, so many people got COVID. Um, like I knew heaps of people who had it and it, like no one was falling in, falling dead in the street and they weren't bulldozing bodies off the sidewalk. Yeah. But, oh, well. Yeah, and unless you go and live in the, unless you actually go and live like a hermit, mm. um, you have to. The whole population has to be in on however they're going to combat it. Because if ten percent don't do it, then there's no point in doing it. So I was just mm. like, obviously wear the mask and do what you're told. But I just kind of cracked on like normal. Because otherwise, well, you can't do. You can't like, yeah, you can't be a pussy forever. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny, like, I had this conversation, um, I've got a, a listener, um, Anthony, uh, and he's listened to the podcast forever, and I always sort of go back and forth with him, and, and he hit me in the comments with some, with some shit, and, and, you know, like, he makes some good points, and about, you know, it should be taken seriously, but the, the, the big thing, and I probably didn't articulate it as well as I could have in the podcast with Troy, but it's like, we, we, we need laws like, and we all agree that we need mm. laws and that's why we live by these laws. But so I, I sort of, I think that there's like this acceptance of mortality or like the acceptance of potential mortality that we all need to have. Because if you get in a car, you could die. If you get in a bus, you could die. If you live in a fucking building that is higher than a human should be able to fall and survive, you could die. Like, there is just this like constant risk of mortality that nobody can get away with. And it's like driving is the best example of this. It's like if you go super fast, you could get out of control and you could kill someone real easily. But so we introduced this speed limit that's a hundred Ks an hour. Like that's kind of like this standard speed limit. And that is the government trying to mitigate risk while also ensuring a quality of life. Because let's say that they said, oh no, you can die in cars, so the maximum that any car ever is allowed to go is 20 kilometers an hour. Well, there'd be no fucking point having cars. You wouldn't get your groceries and you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't get your groceries, you, would, you wouldn't uh, be able to get to work on time. Like it'd take, you couldn't, people couldn't live in any distance away from their fucking their work so there's all of these like logistical things that would kind of fuck with society to a point where everybody would go this doesn't make sense anymore like that there, there needs to be a balance so it's not like i mean especially for like victoria and i think that man there's a there's a lot of stuff that is it's going to just cripple people in a massive way and cripple entire industries that we sort of haven't really seen yet but you know, especially in talking about like the lockdowns in Victoria and the and even the UK, man. Like I'm real yeah, good friends. Because they've only with, they've only just come out, eh? They're not even all the way out yet, dude. Yeah. Two hundred and it's like two hundred and sixty days. 
Yeah, it's fucked, man. <laughs> well, and so, one month in New Zealand was long enough. And so that sort of is that sort of goes to my driving analogy is like, yeah, we need rules and we need to like make stuff that's safe, but at the same time, you know, in the same way that the driving limit is a hundred k's an hour, like you can still die at one hundred kilometers an hour. Make no fucking mm. mistake about it. But it's like that law got made in that way because it's like okay you can die in a car at any speed but uh, this is like the fine line between it allows people to you know travel and get places they need to go but it also is going to be you know a speed that is semi-responsible and it's like that to me is just didn't happen especially in victoria like i don't really know much about the rest of the world yeah. but it's like they they basically dropped the speed limit to fucking three kilometers an hour and then everyone's like well we should just walk yeah nah, that's a that's a pretty good analogy because um yeah i mean surely the social cost of going into a lockdown for 260 days is going to kill more people than uh covid is going to anyway mm. and just like the long-term economical like man just, yeah yeah like uh, people losing their jobs uh like mental health yeah. um there's so many things that are like you can't even measure that yeah but the the the, the trickle down effect will be like for years mm -hmm. um so i don't know it is obviously there's no right or wrong and like no one will ever know what was right or wrong mm. but um yeah i i think in two years time or whatever they'll be able to compare different countries and stuff and see how it is because, I mean, we've got it pretty good in New Zealand. Like, we can... Well, no one Life's normal. There's only four of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We're just like a... We're just like a city. We're just looking just... after all the sheep, bro. Oh, wait, you're just a big fucking school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then school went on holiday. School went on holiday for a month, but no one was allowed to leave home. Yeah, And then we came much. back and it was... Yeah, it was all good. But, um, you know, even then there's like... Shutting our borders entirely is going to have a big cost the economy because we don't have people to do the jobs that kiwis don't want to do mm. um so like that's going to be a problem but at the moment with you know like we had a subsidy and stuff so everyone money's still trickling around and uh life seems to be ticking over pretty well so far yeah i wonder it it's a it definitely was a uh, an interesting argument for or like an interesting case study in the argument for like universal basic income. I don't know if you've like heard too much about the theories behind that. Yeah, yeah. It's actually something that I, I think your first knee jerk reaction of, of hearing something like given everybody X amount of money, regardless of what they do. I think the knee jerk reaction is just to go like, fuck that. Then you'll get this, then you'll get that, then you'll get this. But like, mm this COVID period was sort of like that, man. It's like, we almost did do it and the system could handle it obviously because we fucking, it did happen. Yeah. Like they did get paid that money, but yeah, man, I feel like that's almost uh, something that could be even looked at more and more because you know, like there was so, I know, I know so many people that have had like their quality of life has just improved dramatically because they were able to make, a, a fairly like i think it was 750 um, um 750 a week i 750 think 750 a week 
yeah, yeah, something like that. I I actually was one of the fucking unlucky ones that didn't get a cent. Um, don't drop merch <laughs> on the first month of COVID because <laughs> they they actually they took it back off. Uh, if you made X amount, you have to make thirty percent less than you did the the year before. Oh, and then you had sales. I fucking dropped merch, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I just fucked yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Fuck. the t- uh, dude, it was like my accountant did the the thing because he's like, you should apply any. Well, like not you should. He's like, we could apply anyway. And I was like, oh, fuck, I just, nah, I'm just not going to, not going to deal with it. But I literally made like 600 bucks too much money because I sold these fucking t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, well, you won't do that. You, just don't do it again when there's another pandemic on the rise. Nah, fucking just, I'm just not going to try and do better for myself anymore, you know? <laughs> nah, you must just get on the, uh, 750 a week's all good. Oh, but I mean, there was a lot of people that actually, um, you know that completely changed Dude, their like life. 750, like seven fifty a week is like good cash. I, like uh, yeah, I think like um, when I last last time I worked, um, my I'd get seven hundred bucks a week for forty hours, um, like landscaping. So um, yeah, and I'll probably I'll probably go back and do that same job for a month or two before Christmas or when I get out of here. And mm. I get seven hundred bucks a week, but that's all good if you're not like, yeah, it's that's a plenty to live off. Yeah, and then I think it, you know, yeah. the, the argument is that you then gonna kind of free up people to, you know, do more of the things that they want to do, and and you know, you kind of give people this like freedom to sort of choose the way that they live their life. But it, I guess it, you know, like shit hasn't stopped working. Like people still go to McDonald's. People still like every. Because I, I think that if you look at, you know, the general unhappiness of people and of society, then you'd have to look at poverty as being basically the main indicator of, of you know, unhappiness yeah. and then the, the crime that comes from, you know, areas that are in, in poverty. I also think that um, a lot of the unhappiness comes from... Um, the weight of expectation because we're just like part of the rat race and everyone Mm. has this expectation to get nice things and stuff but like fuck you go to italy or somewhere and uh life's slow everyone's chilling like you know obviously people aren't making heaps of money but um everyone's happy and like the pace of life is slower Mm. and uh like i like it because um you know it's not so materialistic like everyone just chills in the street and watches the world go by but no one's in a rush and like when you come home everyone's in a rush mm. and uh i think being in that rat race only accelerates unhappiness if you feel like you're not keeping up with the other rats yeah yeah no no dude you're so right and do you feel like that even yeah. in, in new zealand yeah, man. Like, um, well, even so, like a lot of my friends from uni and then from school and stuff, they've all like they all went off and got normal jobs, and I never like got a normal job. I like finished uni and went racing straight away. And even then, um, when you're mixing in like different circles, people people are like, "Oh, when are you gonna like? When are you gonna go get a real job?" And like, when are you gonna like settle down? And when are you gonna buy a house and stuff? Yeah. And even just just those like comments, you feel like, yes, 
like you've got this sick, you're living these sick experiences. And like now, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've like figured out that fuck all the, <laughs> fuck, fuck the accountants and everything who are like putting away and you're know, like building their little empire. Cause at the end of the day, you've got it so much better if you've just got experiences, mm. but um, you do feel like the, the expectation to keep up and then, but at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is keep up because they're the ones who are cooking it. Yeah. And, and you, you do get the sense that, cause I mean, I, I'm definitely in a very similar position. Like I just left school and started my business. Like I'd saved my money for schoolies even. And I was like, I'm going to buy a bunch of t-shirts. I'm going to fucking have a t-shirt brand. And that's what I'm going to do. You know, like I just, I never wanted to work for somebody because you'd always get the sense that they were, you, you just work to work to work to work like it's this vicious cycle like you you're getting this money to get ahead but it's like what are you getting ahead of like what's this what's the metric who's the what's the thing you're trying to stay in front of and if you're always like unhappy doing it then like you're unhappy running from something that i don't even exactly even know what it is that's chasing you hmm. and then in like my in my situation like um it, like it has all worked out and um like i have i have bought a house and stuff but i've done it and it's just because i stuck with doing something that i loved mm. and it's not because you know i never would have thought that was possible but um it worked out because that's that's just the way <laughs> that's the way they're like that the way that it happened but had i gone had i probably gone and got the desk job and stuff it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked out, and I just would have been like shit, probably partying way too much on the piss, mm. um, and I would have missed out on all the stuff that really mattered mm. for me. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh no, dude, yeah. 100%. So like, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, um, I, I guess I went with my gut, and I always followed my gut feeling, and so far it's been bang on the money. And, um, so I kind of just like, feel like you should just, I should just keep doing that because mm. <laughs> so far it's been, so far it's been sick. Yeah. It's funny. Like when you talk about experiences and it's like, like everything is just an experience. Like all we are is our five senses interpreting the shit that they can interpret. And then that's just gets put into one picture and then that's like, that's what you are essentially. And it's like mm. everything then is experience and you can chase these experiences that are fulfilling and that, you know, that have these, I guess the feelings that the experiences that you could say, like add to you, if you sort of stripped everything back, like what are that you're the sum of like these great experiences. And like, it's to the point where, you know, you can't, like I was shopping the other day and I just saw a bait, like a toddler running through the shopping center. And it's like, it, that it was at the age where it could only just run. And there's just nothing going on, but the experience of that, like, it doesn't know it's a shopping center. It doesn't know there's other people. It do, barely, that kid probably knew it was a person, but like the experience was, it's all it was. You're just looking at pure experience, no interpretation of it, no money, no job, no self, no nothing. And then that instantly made me smile. Like you can't, you couldn't look at that kid. So there is something that's like very 
tangible there in terms of like having like those great experiences because like we can just recognize it in a fucking baby running at you and you can't not smile at it yeah and well like um whether it's good or bad um you know like what you do and what you experience makes you who you are so Mm. um but it also like depends on how you react especially to like bad experiences um which can like navigate well which can like help you navigate so much more coming up yeah but um yeah (laughs) getting deep eh? (laughs) that's what we do baby what what even was the path like because i've spent a bunch of time around win and i know like he was living he was living in cairns when i was still in cairns and uh working for miles who i grew up riding with and he had like probably the most unconventional route to being a professional mountain bike rider and like so what what was your route to that and then you know where was it in relation to like wind and and you know you guys sort of coming up at, at that time um so as a i guess me and Wynn grew up riding bikes from as far as far back as i can remember i can't remember ever not having bikes or jumps in the backyard and stuff um and then i guess fast forward to like 18 um i was i was like good as a junior but not good enough you know we had some top juniors who were kind of going gonna go on to big things on the world and i wasn't quite up to standard um so i went to four years um and then that time was when like the internet and stuff was they were starting cast racing and that's when win was starting to race so i was like tuning in and watching all the races and that kind of like fighter i was like well fuck it looks so much fun i hear all the stories when when comes home and stuff and it just sounds like a ball so Mm. i was like as soon as i as soon as i finish uni i'll go and do a year or two um privateering and just travel around because what did you do at uni um i studied international business and marketing um i didn't really know i just didn't want to go to work i hated working so i was (laughs) like fuck and i just and the the uni i went to was like a huge party town and it was like probably the most fun you could ever have yeah brooke Brooke literally said ask him about uni parties (laughs) yeah yeah so um it was yeah it was a good good time and i like cherish those years forever because i even if i hadn't gone to uni i never would have made it as a mountain bike racer anyway it was just like right time like like yeah um, yeah so like everything kind of just worked out I don't know. It was just right time, right place for like my whole career. But um, yeah, so obviously Wynn kind of like sparked my interest. And then Brooke was killing it. He was just getting started. I had so many friends who were like racing. Um, I just kind of felt like I was the one missing out because I was the only <laughs> one from like, from the, like the kind of original crew who wasn't really on the World Cup. Yeah. But never did i think i was like good enough but so yeah i went and i went and raced for, in 2012 and had four world cups and i didn't qualify any and i was just like fuck this is like i kind of more than anything i was embarrassed because everyone knew me as win's brother so like i didn't know any of them but they all knew me because they mm. were because win was well known on 
you know, because he's that kind of guy. And I was like, fuck, I've kind of just like embarrassed the family name here. (laughs) (laughs) So I, yeah, it kind of, um, yeah, lit a fire in my belly to like, at least I was like, fuck it. I'll go back and do another year. Um, And if I can just qualify at one World Cup, I'll um, I'll be happy. Then I've like at least ticked off a bucket list thing. But um, the first year I was trying to be all pro about it, and I had like you know the sick kit and a name on my on my back and stuff. And I was like, I was just trying to you know the whole thing in the rat race. I was trying to keep up with everyone else who like had all the nice shit on their bike. And uh, so the second year I just like bought a shitty bike. Well, not a shitty bike, but a bike that I wanted to ride. Bought all the secondhand parts for it, saved money there. Went racing, like raced in like party shirts and Fuck had man. a leather jacket that I ra- had a leather <laughs> jacket and stuff that I raced in. And like three of us lived in a van and we did the whole summer. And like straight away, I started getting good results. And I was just like, well, fuck, that was the piece that was missing is like I wasn't actually being me. Mm. I wasn't, yeah, I was trying to be someone else. And um, so that year, I had like pretty good results and basically qualified at every world cup that's um, sick with some good yeah yeah and i was like oh this is me and then i was getting like lots of publicity in the websites and stuff so i was like i kind of felt like a ride was just going to get served up to me because now i'd kind of made a name for myself yeah but obviously (laughs) that's not how it works (laughs) um not at all so i was just kind of like uh once once I realized that no one was going to give me a ride, I was like, fuck it, I'll go and... Um, I was like, well, if there's no team going to sign me, I'll start my own team. So I just went on the internet and emailed every bike company that didn't have a downhill team and used my marketing stuff to put say, together a bit of business, a... Uh, business and marketing degree. <laughs> this yeah, is my, yeah, so I this put is together, my school project. Yeah, yeah. So I had a little summer project and... Um, so the yeah managed to get a German company to give us thirty thousand euros, and um, enlisted the enlisted the um, apprentice Jack Moyer and had a, another chick who's gone on to great things, Casey Brown, and we went we started a team for twenty fourteen and what, uh, what was went the, racing. What was the bike company? Uh, it was called Bergamont. Yeah, right. And. Um, yeah, and then so I basically was a team manager slash rider for the next four or five years. Fuck, that's um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, and we ran it. On, we ran it on like oh, it was the funniest setup. Like, dude, I I'm like, when I get on the piss, I lose my cards, I lose everything, I lose my phone. So like, I'd lose my cards, then I'd have to transfer like five grand into some whoever's on the team at the time's account, and then we'd start using <laughs> their card. And then, like, there'd be times where we'd be like waiting for payments because, like, I didn't have, I didn't have an overdraft. I didn't have a credit card. Everything's on a debit card. So, like, if you run out of money, you've run out. Yeah, you've so got there'd no be times money. where we, yeah, there'd be times where we're like running from, ho- we're doing the runner from hotels, and then like, um, waiting for the money to come, and then we'd go back and pay, and they'd be like, oh, and they're just, oh, it's pretty funny. It was like, it was like such a sick way to do it, and like, um. I always had Kiwis, you know, no mechanics. And um, I was, because I was kind of like in the control seat, I could always pick who was going to join the team. And everyone who rode for us went on to like 
so the guy who won the world champs this year, Reese Wilson, he rode for us. No shit. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's like. So you're like um, the Mitch Payton, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah totally, Roger, totally. Wait, you're Roger nah. DeCosta, bro. You're just pulling. You're just pulling crew out of the B class. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a pretty sick time because, um, well, essentially I was the boss, but I'm not like a a boss kind of person. I just, I don't care if, if, as long as people turn up and race and put in the effort that like, I kind of expect that I would put in. I don't give a, I don't give a fuck if you want to go out partying. Cause like I, I was probably out partying as well. Yeah. So like we had a, we had a shitload of fun. Um, and yeah. And then like 2017, it kind of wound down and I, um, with the blocks, yeah, we kind of merged my, yeah, the bikes were all good. That, like, we, you can't be competitive on shit bikes. So, from the outside, people thought we had shit bikes, but we actually had real good stuff. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so like we're pretty lucky. And uh, fuck, we had some funny. We had some funny times. Like, yeah, it was just like running a seriously loose loose program, but it was working on Sunday when the dude. race came, when the race mattered. And how good's Jack Moyer, dude? Like that kid is just the biggest lord, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, the first year having Jack, we bought, I bought this, like, uh, $1,000 bus off um, eBay and flew to, like, uh, London and picked it up. And, but we, like, lived in this bus for the whole summer, like, me and him and uh, two others. And we cruised around. It, it would, like, the top speed was, like, 75Ks an hour. And we, dro- we drove it probably, 15 20,000 k's around europe at 75 k's an hour <laughs> and uh yeah we like one time we snapped we look we snapped the key off in the ignition so then we oh. hot wired it but the um but the steering lock went on so we tried to snap the steering lock so that we could <laughs> keep driving and then we snapped the steering wheel off so then we had to drive it for like five hours through the alps <laughs> with um vice grips as a steering wheel <laughs> <laughs> so yeah oh, that's shit like that it's like yeah good yarns to come out of that period uh, it was sick did you um were you just, like documenting any of that shit like was the film thing like sort of big back then or um so yeah oh we were and we weren't i wish i wish we were more but um there's if like that whole period's kind of documented on a lot of the Vanzac videos, um, uh, yeah, which yeah, you can yeah. find, which you, which you can find on YouTube if you just Google Vanzacs. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So they, the boys who were doing the van life then, which we were doing, um, we're doing like a series called home is where you park it. Mm. So there's, uh, I remember watching some of yeah, them. All, yeah. All those videos kind of really give off the, the vibes that we're going down dude that shit's so funny but, yeah and then so when did yeah, yeah. when did that uh, wind but, down uh so it kind of it got to the point where for me where um i mean we were we were obviously doing it on the cheap and the budget got ra- ramped up quite a bit but like not to the point where it was so like at the end of each season there was just never anything left over for me because i was always like i was so keen to make it happen that I was like mm. doing all these deals. I was doing all these deals, but I'd just be like, oh, sw-. they'll be like, oh, no, we can't do it for this. And I'll be like, oh, sweet. Can you do it for this? Like I was mm. always just underselling myself. And then um, 
so I just got to the point after a few years where I was like, fuck, if it's like, I'm not really getting anything out of this, even though on paper I have a salary because my salary just gets chewed up because I keep, you know, like I've, I've just under budgeted the whole year. Um, so I was like, uh, and I felt like I was, I was riding real fast, but there was just so much on my mind. Mm. Um, I was, con- I was constantly worried about money that I was just crunching numbers. Like I, like I said, I was a numbers guy. So I'm just constantly like weighing, you know, like got to pay for these flights, got to pay for this accommodations coming up. Like I've got this payment coming in. Um, how am I going to like make it last until the next payment comes in? Mm. And, uh, I think it just started like distracting from the racing cause I was, I was riding real good, but I like was lacking consistency. I was like one race, I'd be real fast. The next race I crash. And then that had dent your confidence. And then there, so I was like 2017, I was, uh, it was kind of a good timing. Cause like Bergamont got sold to another company. It all changed hands. Didn't really look like, uh, they were going to like do another deal with us. And I was already kind of like toying with the idea of going and riding for another team just as a rider, not not mm. running the team myself um and then the dude i ride for now bernard he'd always said like well if you want to come ride just if you need a ride just come ride for me um we'll have oh, you bernard Kerr. so i was like yeah so yeah. um and he like runs he runs the team like i was so we were always kind of like bouncing ideas and stuff off each other because he was like a rider manager as well um he seems like a cool yes, cattle bernard yeah, man, he's yeah, he's the dude who is going to do the supercross. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started watching yeah, yeah. some of his vlogs on YouTube because, like, I mean, I don't know what fuck. It seems like heaps of people give him shit, but um, but yeah, yeah. He, oh, he uh, brings it on himself, but he takes it pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is he almost a bit of a troll in that sense? Like, he's one of those guys oh, where totally- he's like a lord when you actually like when you're just talking to him, but he's just figured out that the way to you know, get attention is to sort of stir, stir yeah. some shit. A hundred percent. But like, uh, he's in a pretty unique position where he can t- walk the walk as well. Cause it, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Cause he's fucking so like, good. He's, he's fucking good. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's pretty, he's like self-made. He doesn't come from, any you know like he doesn't have the backing his like family story is pretty gnarly um and so he oh, started really? the team with the yeah yeah so like he started the team with the caravan and stuff i thought um, he was i, I always thought he was like a rich kid sort of thing in his and like he just had the whole deal funded not that i know nah, fuck so, all, that's the that's the sort of yeah, yeah. story that i got so that's told. um that, like that's what people think but uh he so like his his grandma and granddad are wealthy and they lived in Surrey, but like where he lives, where, like there's a family of there's five kids and a single mum, and they all live in a um, like terraced house. Uh, so there was like, yeah, it was, it was like when you go and stay with Bernie. Oh, when when I used to go and stay with him and see kind of where he came from, um, it's the quite the opposite of what people think. Mm. um so to see what he's built and you know where he's taken it because it started out as like you know a 15 a 500 ca- a 500 pound caravan towed behind a tranny that was borrowed off his mum. Mm. um he's built 
the team that I now ride for. Um, is it still yeah. Pivot? But like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's like ridden for them for 10 years. And they've, yeah. But since in that 10 years, he's grown with the company to yeah. the point where now we're, now we're like one of the bigger teams on the circuit. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's sick because he, he like gets it. I, like, I don't like answer to him. He he's like he's always what he says goes, but what he says well not what he says goes because I can tell him to get fucked. But um, <laughs> but like uh, what his word, he's like true to his word. So and that's like that's actually quite hard to come by in our industry. People mm. say stuff and then you don't get the deals that you're saying. But um, from the get go, he's been good. Our we have like probably the best bikes and components and team sponsors on this out of the circuit. And like my career has kind of gone in leaps and bounds since joining the team. So, um, I don't like, I don't feel like I owe him a lot, but um, he's always been fucking, he's always been fucking good to me. So mm. I can see how people talk shit, but um, yeah, as you get the, when you get to know, when you pull off like the bravado, because there's a lot of mm. it with him, um, he's a pretty solid guy. He's uh, I was watching one of the like one of his YouTube videos, and uh, he he uh was wearing these fucking like I got these Nike high tops, and they're like my favorite shoes. Of, I don't know, they're like 140 bucks, which is fucking heaps for a pair of shoes for me. And he's got the exact same fucking white pair, and the cunt was wearing them in the mud. And I'm just like, <laughs> I was like, you got too much fucking yeah, money, yeah. bro. You got too much. You ride yeah. this trick white KX125 and you're wearing white shoes in the fucking mud. Don't know, bro. Well, where he comes from is just money, 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 eh? So um, anything, yeah, you know, like he's he's got a Porsche 964. Um, he had a Ferrari. He's like, yeah, but everything... So you reckon he's he got hustler, all that? Man, like, you reckon he got all that from for, through his career? Yeah, hundred percent. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, up until even up in twenty fifteen, like um, you know, he would be hitting me up for a hundred bucks that I owed him. <laughs> he needs it. Like, yeah, right. You know? um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but That's he, he's a hustler, like. He's a hustler. Like everything he buys, he'll make money on. It's all in his head. It, it all works out. But yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. There's nothing. There's been no. Um, well, there's definitely that I know of, and I'm yeah. I can speak pretty honestly about that. There's I, there's been no help, helping hands in his story. Mm, that's super cool, man. Yeah, but yeah you should I mean... get him. You should get it. You should get him on, bro. He's like fuck the. Uh, Man, there's some insane stories. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I, would I'd, tell you. I'd love to. Has he done many podcasts? Yeah. Like, is is he a guy that like the media sort of likes in the mountain bike world? Or because I feel Not like you really. and I Win, the, like you and Win, man, like everyone loves part. you guys. Yeah, well, um, it's because Bernie's cocky and shit. But I think the hardest part would be like um, getting him to tell some of these stories because, like, fuck the dude. Um, the dude rented a Mustang at Rampage and went and jumped it in Utah, put it on Instagram, and then, like, 
basically wrote a Mustang off. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. He was on like one of those um, uh, reality TV shows getting debt collected in the UK. No like, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot more to it. Yeah, pretty funny shit. Yeah, that's hectic. Yeah, he um, like mm. yeah, in his vlogs and stuff, like you can definitely. Yeah, you can definitely see, like, he comes across, like, super cocky and that he's, like, I guess it's just, like, he's owning it, you know what I mean? Like, there's definitely, there's a part of me that's super conscious all the time to, like, I just try to not come across, like, a fuckhead, you know what I mean? Like, you just, Mm. I just don't want, I don't want even the attention that it brings when you sort of do put yourself out there in that way. Um, But, I mean it's cool when a person can just put themselves out there in a way that he does and just not give a fuck. Like it's probably the move. Like the way I'm doing it is probably not the move. Mm. Well, like he's like, Oh dude, you should start a YouTube and shit. And I'm just like, man, I like don't want to open my life up to that mm. kind of like, cause what's this? You can't do YouTube if you half ass it. It just doesn't work. Like yeah. people want, People want to be involved in you. They like buying into you as a person. They want to like know all the shit, but um, like I don't want them to know all the shit. So mm. there's no point in me. There's no point in me doing it unless you like find a different avenue where you can do it with like tech or something, you know. But mm. like in terms of like my day to day life, like it's my life. It's not the internet. So yeah, yeah, um, no, no, that's no. what's like. Oh, sorry. That's man. what's kind of kept me off. That's what's kind of kept me away from the whole vlogging mm. um, thing. Because I'm just like, if I'm not prepared to put in the effort, then it's it won't work. Yeah, yeah. No, the the YouTube things are fucking animal, man. Like it's hard to it's hard to crack. And it's funny. I had uh, Andy. You know Andy Jackman, the photographer. He's uh, like yeah, a, I've heard of him. Yeah, so he, we, I haven't spoken to him in ages and we were just DMing each other yesterday and he's like, oh, what have you been up to, man? I was like, fuck, dude, I've just been keeping to myself, like crazy keeping to myself. And then I'm like literally at my computer screen looking and there's fucking 3 million downloads on the on my stats that I'm, like, I'm looking at this year. And I'm like, I ain't keeping to myself. Like that's fucking, that's 3 million, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's 3 million people that have just fucking listened but it's weird and that's how... the thing oh, sorry, like um yeah yeah how i you know like i've never spoken to you we've like traded a few messages on instagram but like, i've listened to you and i've watched you so much that i feel like i know you mm. yeah it's that it and, is uh, weird. yeah so it's like and i guess with vlogging you get that even more like at the races some dudes come up and like one of our mechanics barney he's in a lot of bernie's vlogs so like they come up and they like know barney and they talk to barney and i'm just like what the fuck this is so weird like <laughs> oh dude yeah it, it it is bizarre like the the weird thing like with the the podcast is that it's so it's so easy to like compartmentalize the podcast because it's just me and you like and i don't i don't listen to it again i don't so like to me all i've got is that this experience of like me and you talking and then you post it and then you know like you you sort of engage on social media but that's uh 
it's just a time suck like i could literally sit on instagram all day every single day just like talking to people about you know the the podcast but i mean in the if you just like just compartmentalize that then i am so fucking on my own like i see probably eight people regularly you know like i see my yeah. brother i see sam i see my parents i see my housemate and then i go to like jujitsu training and, and the track and yeah like dude it, so i don't as much as yeah there's millions of people that will hear the content it's uh it's so easy to like compartmentalize and i i feel like when i'm doing these things like this is just this is just myself like this is if if there were no cameras rolling like i feel like i'd probably talk to you in the exact same way but yeah to do mm. that vlogging thing like you've got to like be a character almost and you've got to like you you get this feedback of what people like about your character and what people don't like about your character and then you're sort of making these like little adjustments and then you know you you can i'm not saying this is bernard but then you you see people that um they start to just like be the character and you're like mm. wait what you were a you were like doing this thing and you sort of it worked but now this is just you all the time and then you end up getting into these weird fucking yeah weird places where you sort of don't know who you are yeah, anymore. So like the lines get blurred have you seen uh that it's um it's on netflix i think it's called like andy and me it's about it's a jim carrey movie oh, and he andy it's, with it's, it's like yeah. a doctor Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Bro, it's insane. It's like, um, it's a documentary. And um, so Jim Carrey gets the, like, the role to play his, like, idol, mm. his comedian, comedian called Andy Kaufman. And um, he, what is he? He, um, he basically method acts and he, like, yeah. becomes Andy Kaufman for the whole time. And Andy Kaufman has all these alter egos and stuff. So like sometimes he turns up as these alter egos yeah. to filming and they can't film because the alter egos turned up Yeah, and, uh, he becomes this guy for the whole time they film that when he tries to go back to Jim Carrey, he can't. And it's like super, in it's super interesting. And it's like probably one of the trippiest, it's really funny. Like, but, um, I think Universal or whoever, they wouldn't release the footage for 20 years because they said it would ruin Jim Carrey's career. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. And he he talks about it, how he really struggles to, like, go back to being Jim because he's played this character for so long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes like, sense, yeah, man. So, yeah, yeah. So anyone listening, I'd re highly recommend it. It's, I think it's called Andy and Me. Yeah. Um, on I've Netflix. seen some. It's real good. I've seen some shorts of it and I've heard him talk about it, but I haven't actually seen the, the film. But, but it's, um, it's trippy. He like, like the other actors know that he's acting, but he they get like pissed off not, at him, eh? Yeah. yeah. Cause he will not. So like the director has to talk to these characters who Jim Carrey's playing and be like, can you tell Jim tomorrow? Jim needs to come in. <laughs> and like, he's like, obviously you're talking to Jim Carrey, but he's, They're he won't gone, accept yeah. you. Yeah, 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 and it's uh, he ends up like fighting this like dude and stuff. It's it's a trip, man. It's sick. Yeah, but no, um, I've yeah. heard heaps. Of, I've heard heaps about it. I, I should finally watch it, um, dude. Mm. I think, um, yeah, I think that that 
that same thing happens in a sense with like social media too because it's like i mean all the i'm fucking going crazy deep into the meditation stuff at the moment and um and there's so much about like every strain of meditation every type of um spiritual sort of practice it all centers around this idea of like the self being an illusion so like you what you tell yourself about your experience like that's not there if you look for it and that a lot of the cause of like suffering and and uh the unhappiness that we have is purely the a result of the things that you tell yourself about your experience and that is the you know what you'd call the self and then that made me think about social media in such a weird way now to where i i think it's like i just physically see it as harmful like even when i look at a video of myself and unfortunately like that i have to do that all the time now like i'm constantly looking at Right, it must, it must suck because I hate hearing my own voice. Oh, dude, it sent me fucking crazy. Honestly, like <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking crazy now as, as a result of it. Like all of the all of the meditation and shit has come out of it because yeah, like you're not supposed to you're not supposed to be invested in yourself, like or the idea of of who you are in the world, like or who you are separate to the world. And so now that I'm. Mm. Like, I think that I found all that shit purely because I was having to go through it by doing the podcast. And it was like, I love this job. Like, it's a fucking sick job. But it just came with some weird baggage that I had to deal with. And then you start to, (laughs) you know, you start to look into it and you're like, oh, this whole social media thing is like, you're making a copy of a copy. Because like, if the self is this illusionary thing and that's what like seeing through that is the thing that takes like practice. So essentially like if you're enlightened, you can basically see through this, like you don't see yourself as a self, like you're more closer to just like experience. You're not telling yourself about the experience or saying like, Oh, that was good. That was bad. I'm tired. I'm You just are what you are. And uh, Mm. so then it's like the thing that you think you are, is this is a copy essentially like it's all of this old data that you're adding together and putting together is like oh that's who i am but it's a copy and then you add social media to that and then it's like now you're in this copy of a copy type of situation and it's like when once you see that you're like oh i can see now why this is damaging and there's so many other reasons that you know like you spend too much time on your phone and you care about what people think and you know like there's all of those other you know the um things that where everybody's told about social media but i think the real harm is that it's like we almost to be happier you should get away from your ego and away from yourself as much as possible but then you're literally doing the exact opposite thing by like being on social media and editing these photos and and like uh trying to control the way that people see you and and you've you've just got this presence that is like very curated that's actually not you and then you start to identify with that so like there's some really weird shit that goes down on on that level and i think that i feel like it's probably going to be one of the things that i guess will be like the reason we come out of it in a way because i think we're going to go down into that world uh and get to the point where everybody's like okay this is obviously super bad 
Yeah. Oh, it, I, I, yeah, I've never really thought about it, but now that you mention it, I completely agree that it will it will go to the point where everyone knows that it is actually really harmful, and mm. then they'll start educating, and like maybe not our generation, not the next generation, but the generation beyond that will maybe be brought up knowing that it's actually bad, bad. Because mm. I, I couldn't imagine but, being a kid and having to go through it nowadays, eh? Fuck, man. It'd be so wild. I was like, so my introduction to a cell phone was like probably six, uh, 15 or 16. Yeah. And like you pass, you, you pass a note around a class, everyone writes their numbers on it. Then you've got everyone's number in your class. Yeah. And you like you text and stuff. And then it wasn't until what, 24, 25 that you, that I got on Instagram and not until like 26, 27 that you probably start posting regularly. Mm. And now I'm, now I'm like on it all the time. I know it's bad, but part of me is like, ah, fuck, it's all good. But then, like you said, like when I first got on Instagram, I post anything. I never like, you would never like, you never like take a photo on it story and then delete it and take a better one mm. you know like i didn't care but now now you're like oh actually i could like put a better one up or mm. fuck you're like oh that post that post didn't go that well or but like you shouldn't you don't need likes to validate things but then actually we're starting to be wired that we do need them to be validated oh, <laughs> and you're like yeah sure dude yeah so like i'm like i'm saying oh, I don't care, but that's a lie because I do care and I mm. hate that I care, but, and it sucks because it's probably the most unhealthy thing to care about, mm. <laughs> but, um, but it is true. It's like when I put up something that I think is cool and it doesn't do well in terms of likes or traction or like comments, um, I'm like, oh, well, oh, maybe like, maybe I've got that wrong. Is, mm. but it's not it's like it should be that i st it is cool because i thought it was cool mm. but i don't need you know like especially with the way the algorithm and stuff works it can just be bad timing but i still deep down i you know i kind of like deem it successful when it gets lots of likes and gets lots of comments and people mm. yeah when really the success is that i was proud of it and thought it was cool yeah, well, I mean, it sort of goes back to kind of what you were uh, saying about like your career got better when you just wore a fucking leather jacket and a party shirt like that, you know, yeah, and that, exactly. that, that's the most, you know, like I, I think, I think too, there's probably just a part of it that's like, why can't a shit photo be a shit photo? Like, why is it even, you know, why does it have to be successful? Like, what is even the need for it to to do well like what is doing well other than it's just something that you like and i think there's a bit of a problem in that but i think that you'll get the the real shit like the real stuff that does actually make a difference and can really set things in a different motion can only sort of come from like what you did by just like taking the jersey off with the sponsors on it and putting on a party shirt and a jacket and it's like that you know they're the ultimate uh like the ultimate expression of you is like if it's good enough it will get noticed and i think that hmm. a lot of time too people are just chasing shit that like 
you know, let's say you want to be a photographer on Instagram. It's like, well, it's probably sailed. <laughs> like it's probably over. You know what I mean? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the only reason that it won't be over, like Andy Jackman, for instance, like he's just a fucking sick photographer. So like you yeah. should, you should do what you want to do, post the things that you like, or even chase the things that you like. Like you did the downhill thing as opposed to, you know, getting a job once you got your business degree, because that was what you wanted to do. And it's like, at the end of the day, you were good enough for it to work. But if you weren't good enough for it to work, it, it shouldn't make it any less meaningful of a nah, pursuit. And yeah. I think that's the big problem is that if you can't be good at something and if you like, in a, I guess, all right, it, you talk about my podcast and it'd be easy to say, it's easy for me to say like, I'd do this anyway, but like, it is super successful. So it obviously makes it a bit easier to do, but I would like to think that even if it wasn't as successful as it is, like I would still want to talk to Ed Masters and that is something that should, you know what I mean? Like the, the good versus bad and I ain't getting fucking Joe Rogan numbers. Does that mean I'm not successful? You know, like the, just the genuine love of the thing should be enough. And then it also should be okay that if you go and have a crack and you don't qualify and you come home, like that should be just as okay. Yeah. I like, um, the whole world is geared around, um, winning, winning, mm. but, and then, you know, like, cause, cause the whole, you know, all these superstars, their world is like under a magnifying glass and you can see it and you're like, you see all the trappings of success. So mm. everyone gravitates towards that because they want it. But like no one, you know, like I think you, you always talk about it and no one's putting up on Instagram that they had a shit day mm. or that, or that they've, you know, like a lot of these guys have probably um, defaulted on their HP on the car that they've got or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and you don't, you don't know that you, you just see the car. So you're like, fuck, I need that. Like that's sick. I need to do that. Um, so in that respect, it's pretty unhealthy. Like I think, um, if I had to pick between yes or no, um, I'd probably go no. Like if I had a choice, I'd say no to like Instagram. Um, but it's a part of life now. And, um, like, yeah, I'm not going to like get on a high horse and say, yeah, like, I'm fucking on my phone. I'm on my phone all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, I've got but, actually no problems with Instagram. Like I actually, it doesn't, I think that if I had a choice, I'd, I would just do Instagram cause I've met so many fucking Lords through it. Like I have that many cool people in my DMS that I can talk to. And it's not just people that are famous and, or have come on the podcast or whatever, just like average fucking good cunts. Like there's so many mm. dudes out there. So like, I wouldn't take that away, but I just have the discipline. Yeah, the community to, aspect is sick. Yeah, it's just the scrolling. Like you just you just can't yeah. scroll. Like I've got an hour set on Instagram. That's my timer. So like I I do the screen time app thing, and yeah, it's like once I hit that hour, it's done. Unless I got to post some shit. But now I've had that on my phone for like a long ass time to the point where I sort of, I very rarely hit that or I'll hit it when I'm in bed at night and I'll just be sort of cruising through. But yeah, I think ultimately it's like, it's a good thing. And I mean, I think I said it with Berriman, but it's like, you could, it's like a hammer, you know, you can build a house with a hammer or you could hit some cunt in the head with a hammer. Like you've just, 
it's got to be on <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's got to be on you to be a good fucking trader you know yeah well yeah if instagram's the car like we're driving it like yeah you can crash it or you could like drive it at 100 or mm. you could like drive it at three three if you're in victoria yeah <laughs> yeah well you guys like it seems like you and win are really great examples of what like a media presence can do for a career and like just you know other than straight race results because it's like you you haven't won a world champs like win hasn't won a world champs but you guys are probably some of the most popular riders on the fucking planet in mountain biking and it's like you guys have really used the the this new age of media to your benefit in a big way it seems like at least from the outside you know yeah oh when definitely more so than i have like uh i like you know he he hustles hard on it um he i think he figured out pretty early on that um that was a pretty good tool to have in the t- um and then i guess he's just kind of led by example and while i have only probably adopted like maybe 20 percent of his like, got me back yeah my laptop's uh I've got a bit of a bad, I've got a bit of a workhorse of a laptop that uh, has a penchant for dying randomly, casually. Oh, did it die then? Yeah, hundred percent. But it just like dies, and then you turn it back on, it just starts up again. Fuck yeah! Um, yeah. So, so uh, your, your last yeah, words saying, were twenty um, percent of yeah. what wind does. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, yeah, wind kind of. Oh fuck. Well, you got Pornhub going. You got Renee uh, Gracie's OnlyFans, bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a good podcast, man. That was fucking good. Oh, um, now, nah, I was saying that, uh, yeah, like I've probably only adopted 20% of Wynn's work ethic when it comes to social media. Um, well, not so much social media, but just content and the way that he can use it to uh, really, um, you know, use it as a, because obviously, like you said, like race results are one. But if you've got if you've got something like Win's got, like the Win TV, the social media, the Wheelie Wednesday in mm. your back pocket, um, that makes you pretty valuable as a rider. And um, we'll definitely, you know, like uh, I'd like to, I'd like to kind of, you know, you never want you never want to like do the same thing. So mm. a lot of a lot of stuff's already been done, but like there's a lot of content that I want to start putting out, um, be it videos, be it whatever, um, that uh, that I that I know I need to start pulling trigger on if you want to have like longevity in your career outside of racing as well. Because have you got bigger, some ideas? Like, yeah, like I've always got ideas and stuff, um, but like at the moment I'm like so I'm also really focused on racing where. Mm. Um, like I'm still, I'm still ticking off goals and I'm still in a position in my career where, um, you know, I still feel like there's, there's unfinished business. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, I guess for me, it's, you know, I'm coming to a point where it's a bit of a juggling act, um, Mm. where, you know, you, you need to start thinking long-term because like, fuck, I like, I love what I do. And I want to be able to do it for as long as possible, you know, like, but, you know, like I always use, um, you know, like I feel like I'm on a wave and I just, you're just riding it and you just like, <clears throat> I'll do whatever I need to, to stay on the wave. Cause 
fuck, there's probably not going to be a better one. Um, yeah, so I may as well try it. and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I need to try and, yeah, there's no sets out the back. <laughs> this was the last of the set. So you're in the, you're wanna, in the wave wanna, pool, bro, and your time is up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I want to make, I want to try and make it last as long as I can because, um, you know, it's a, you know, it's a sick thing we get to do and I'm hugely passionate about it. And I guess to be able to keep it going longer, um, I'll need to, you know, start exploring different avenues. And, you know, obviously people li- like most of the shit I put out, people like it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be someone else. I'm just being me and shit that I find funny. Most people find funny. So um, that's always handy because <laughs> yeah. otherwise it's a bit hard if you're finding shit really funny and no one else is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, I guess you know, like when when has got a lot of shit going on, but behind the scenes, he's puts in so much work um, mm. and it's not easy. Like a lot of people wouldn't probably don't know that like when's actually kind of like really introverted and like not, you know, yeah, dude. like he, being in front of the Yeah. Being in front of the cameras. It's not natural for him. It, like yeah. it's, it's hard work. He like, he really has to like, um, you know, he, he really works hard at like, putting that together because that's you know that's not quite that's not really something that he's comfortable with mm. um so like fuck um he doesn't get you know i give him this i got so much respect for like what he does because um i know that it sometimes it's not the easiest thing for him to do mm. yeah um and, which and, is fuck which is fucking cool yeah because he's made, you know, he's built this media empire and the brand that is Win Masters, and uh, he's done it. You know, he's he's had to go get out of his comfort zone um, mm. and do things that he initially wouldn't have been comfortable with, but um, he's reaping the rewards now, and he's he will have a long career in the sport outside of racing. You know, he he's at a point now where he doesn't have to race. Um, he chooses to race, um, which, you know, no matter how fast you are, a lot of riders wouldn't, don't have that, the novelty mm. of being able to pick and choose. And I think everyone, you know, people could say, oh, like it's lame and shit, but it's not lame. It's like, he gets to do it. You know, it's, yeah, he's, he's lucky, but it's not lucky. He's worked for it. Mm. And, uh, so like, if that's an example that he's set, then I kind of, I know, you know, what you need to do and how to do it. And he's kind of, you know, there is a mapped out way. Mm. Um, but you also, you also need to be true to yourself and figure out how you can do it for you. Because if you try and copy or do it another way, there's no way it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Yeah. When is, he's such a fucking good dude and he's such a hard working guy like he's so he's so genuine so like to to see a dude like him get what he has got like he worked for it and he earned for it uh, he earned what he got but you know he's made himself like indispensable you can't get mm. you, like as a team for GT like if when if they ever part or you know however let's say hypothetically 
he left them, everyone would be like, what the fuck? I can't believe they didn't hold on to him. You know, like that's the level yeah. of, you know, brand that, that he has built. And it's so cool to, to see someone like realize that they need to step out of the box and then fully commit to it. And like you said, he's going to have a really long career in the industry now because of, you know, having the foresight and then, you know, doing the work. It's like, because not everyone, it like there's one world champion a year. There's, you know, a couple yeah. world cup winners a year. It's like, you, you can't just, it's almost like ignorant to just want that these days. Yeah. And like, um, you know, there are, there are a handful of writers out there who are making like serious money, but, um, you know, for, for those who aren't, you've got to, you've got to figure out how best you can build yourself as a brand, as a racer, mm. um, to the point where, so that you are, you know, because in our sport, there's a shitload of riders who are really fast and, uh, but some people get the rides and some people don't. And you've got to figure out like why that is and how, you know, I mean, it might suck if you need to like suck up to some people, but so be it. It's like, mm. that's the way, it, that's the way it goes sometimes. But, um, if you're someone like Wynn or someone else who, you know, you know, people who have done it differently, then, um, you don't, it'll come to you because, uh, you've got, you know, like he's got a, he's got a pretty stacked deck when it comes, when it comes to when he's sitting at the table, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, like, like you said, like he is ingrained in the brand image that's GT. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, like he, you know, he's like part of their brand identity and culture. That, yeah. 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 So like, you know, people would be like, Oh, GT win masters. They kind of go hand in hand that, mm. uh, you know, if you've got, if you've got that with the company, then right, you're pretty, you're sitting pretty pretty good because they need you mm. is what you know then they need you whereas and other people for a lot you. of riders yeah yeah they need you other people want you whereas for the vast majority of races you want them and they <laughs> so, don't need you and that's and they don't need you because they can get someone else yeah who wants you as well who wants them as well so the shoes on the other foot and um yeah but you know, shit like like you said, like um, it doesn't come easy. He he worked for it, so uh, he deserves all the success that he's getting. Mm. Whereas, because um, it's a lot of work, man. Like he, I guess you know, because of all the like you're you know you're trying to you're kind of running like a bit of a media, you know, like you've got a lot of eggs and a lot of baskets. Mm. Um, but he he's like he's like hustling, and he makes himself really accessible. Like he replies to all the comments replies to all the dms um and it's that kind of it's that kind of interaction that like it pays off long term and he's making it made a commitment to do it and obviously it's it's working yeah well dude it's funny you say that man like i struggle to do the dm thing like i'm i'd say i'd give myself a pretty good like i wouldn't say i'm killing it at it and it's something i wish i did more of but i guess in the same way that you know you said shit doesn't come natural to win like i feel like i can be on camera and just like be myself i, I kind of don't give a fuck in that sense like i've 
pretty comfortable. Like, if you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. Like, that's cool. Like, we don't have to... I don't need... I don't even need a conversation past that. But what doesn't come natural is, like, the... Even though I love talking to people in this context and I love talking to people on, on the podcast, like, it feels weird for me to engage in, like, those kinds of conversations because I don't feel just normal in that sense. Like, I feel different. And then that... So, that shit becomes uncomfortable. But like when Renee Gracie did the podcast and she was talking about the amount of time she spent and the amount of people she replied to, I was just like, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it makes yeah. sense why you're fucking killing it because like it is so much work to reply to the, the DMs and then you get more and you get more well, and you get more DM, and you get more. Yeah. A DM can so easily become a conversation and then you're like... So, you know, it's not like you're just replying to one question mm. because then there's a reply that follows that and then you've got a thread and it's like, um, yeah, it's a lot of work. So the um, thing, the thing, that yeah, I, I, was look, I was listening to that, um, Renee Gracie one and I was like, fuck, maybe I'm in the wrong business. I was oh, sitting in dude. a hotel room. I could have, could have started an OnlyFans right there and then I, oh, fuck, dude, the, the thing that I don't like about it is that, that everyone like they're talking about you and it's like i i don't know that the person so i can't really interject in the same way that 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 person is you know like they're asking these questions and like there's this instant thing where like you just feel weird for talking about yourself to a stranger mm. and like that to me i just never really felt comfortable with that and yeah, I mean, and, and then yeah, for me, I'd be, I'd literally just be having to interview every fucking person in my DMs. Like, what do you do? What are you? And, and then that, yeah, yeah the yeah. time, you know, the time I'd rather, it's almost like I'd rather not reply if I can't give time to talk about something else. I'd rather, and then I'd rather just not do the, the fucking talk about myself thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, like just the amount of, time you, that you'd have to put in mm. to reply like honestly to everyone you know and give it a fair a fair one then um yeah it would yeah like i'm i'm not i'm not replying to every dm that i get um because yeah <laughs> like it's, it's just it's, yeah, the it's time not, yeah it sucks i can't it? i can't do it yeah, yeah. um, but, um the, the, one of the really awesome things that you guys have with mountain biking as well, I think is that, and like the opportunity, like I, I think that the opportunity that mountain bike guys have, and it's sort of clear with, with win and, and it, like Davey with, with, um, the hookup podcast, like, you know, the things that him and Ollie have going on, it's like, there's such a, there's so much space to make a living in mountain biking outside of racing world cups. And I think that sport, there's not a lot of sports like that, like moto. There's not that many dudes that aren't making a living out of, um, not racing. And you, you know, even the freestyle guys that are making a living out of it now, it's getting smaller and smaller, but mountain biking is such a huge global sport. There's like government investment, like the amount of governments that are investing into, um, bike parks and you know like you look at derby here and you got road rural and you got all of these places yeah. all over the world like 
man, the opportunity that mountain bikers have that, I mean, I can see because I've essentially made a living in my sport by being fucking dog shit at it. And it's like, I could see, yeah, you know, there's like, like you guys are making being shit at motocross. Cool. Fucking oath, mate. Wait, wait me and Sammy are going to do <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. We're going to do this whole series next year called semi pro. Cause like essentially we yeah. both make a living from dirt bikes, but we're not fucking pro. So I right, mate, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Cause I got a 125 this winter and, um, you know, I ride a, I rode a lot of XR hundies and stuff. So I went in there thinking I was going to be all good. And fuck me, was it a reality check? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, was, like, I am so shit. I basically almost ended my career twice on the first two jumps. Because <laughs> I was like, went to the track and I'm like, well, how can I how can I go around the track like and have fun if I don't do the jumps? It's going to be shit. So I was like, well, I would jump these on my mountain bike. So I'm just going to go send them. And, uh, fuck, uh, yeah, the boys were like, dude, just please just stop jumping. No shit. <laughs> dude, it's no yeah, joke. Yeah. Like, even to be as shit at motocross as I am is fucking hard. Like, it's oh, not easy. Like, it ain't easy. There's so much to think about. And then, like, I was, like, doing huge ear wheelies, and the boys are just like, why don't, why don't you just grab the clutch and hit the brake? And I'm like, exactly. Like, I don't think like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah it's it's uh, fucking fun, no it's joke. fun man yeah oh, man it's mm-hmm. it's unreal eh? and like the you know what's a, a bunch of stuff that me and bailey talked about like i'm finally I've, at the age where i don't give a fuck to be fucked, okay to be sure. yeah it's all good yeah. man but now like i'm seeing so much more enjoyment personally out of it and it's like i'm hoping like what i would like to do in terms of you know if you talk about the you know writing the articles and trying to have the influence on your sport like one of the things i'm trying to do with motocross is make more opportunities for people to make a living out of motocross that don't revolve around like the racing industry because it's like for me i wanted to be pro and i was doing fucking 20 minute motos every day and like i went i tried and did that for a bit and it's like it was never going to happen and your only options then were to be like a fucking mechanic or uh you know mm-hmm. someone on the team or to do something with the tracks or whatever like it was so limited and like even you know i chose to do the the video thing but like man there was no one doing it like the reason i chose to do videos is because there's people in australia doing it and literally no one in australia uh, sorry people in america and no one in australia like two or three people but you know, now I think that with the way that, you know, content is and shit like that, you, you don't, I want to try and push the fact that you don't have to be good to create shit that is like going to inspire people and push your sport forward and, you know, just create these opportunities, like more opportunity for more people to make a living out of the sport. Because, you know, if the more people that are making a living out of the sport, would by definition mean like the bigger the industry is like there's only a you know you can only sort of pull from the pie so and even with you know the shit that i post on youtube and stuff like i try and make it almost like clickbaity to where it's like if you know nothing about motocross you're gonna see it and like be kind of interested and you know sort of it's like trying to drag people in to where it's like they may have a fucking random youtube recommendation because they watched a motorcycle fails video 
but maybe we could give them some content that's like inside the moto world that they would actually kind of be into and it's yeah, not yeah. just this racing 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 but i think that it exists yeah, it's, so much in mountain biking yeah and because like racing yeah i guess because we kind of hijacked that a bit but um yeah like you know mount, mountain biking is massive um yeah. and it is fucking cool that people can make a living um doing so many different you know there's so many different avenues that you can go down to make a living Mm. which uh you know which is like pretty comforting to know that you know um for my whole life racing has been the be all and end all but now you can kind of see you know you like yeah moses is part of this moses is part of the sea and on the other side there's jobs they're still cool shit yeah yeah and uh because you know like i've you know, like maybe over the past two years, you kind of like I turned 30, <laughs> had like a 30 year old crisis and I'm like, fuck, like, uh, what am I going to do? Like, what do I do when I finish racing? Like, I still feel like I'm like in my head, I still feel like I'm 21. So that's good because, um, but like, obviously you, your body and stuff, you've got to look after it and shit. So like there will come become a time when I can't mm. race or, maybe the level of competition and stuff passes you and all of a sudden you're not as good as you once were. Mm. Cause I've always had this primal fear that one day I'll wake up and everyone will be in on the joke that I was actually shit. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my world as well, bro. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cause you're like, fuck, everything seems to be going so well. And like, um, you know, like when's it all, when are you going to snap out of it? And realize, when's everyone going to like wake up and be like, Oh fuck. That, that was that was the biggest like yarn ever what but um <laughs> so far so yes yeah, so far it hasn't happened so um yeah but yeah the whole mountain biking like with the i guess you because i didn't realize that glenn jacobs was your uncle or what mm. what but um yeah so like he had what world trail yeah um you know like trail building funded myself well like my career i wouldn't have made it as a mountain biker if i didn't have a summer job of trail building to go home to like yeah, hands right. down it wouldn't it wouldn't have happened that was probably one of the biggest catalysts um for change was having a trail building i worked in brizzy um and did like so with nz trail we like worked for a billionaire who had some land he bought a he had all these plots around the world um, and he employed about 200 Kiwis and he had like, uh, trail building sites in Nelson, Brisbane, Canada, Mexico, Chile, Portugal, uh, oh. Jamaica dude. And like, so I, I did, I lived in Kilcoy, which is like yeah. about 40 K 40 Ks inland from Caboolture, um, yeah. for a year. I would live there for a year. No shit. That was, that was pretty, that was, um, that was pretty funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, that, yeah, yeah. That's like you get a you get a good feel for rural Australia out those ways. There's you two have, pubs and a meatwork. You would have banged some weird chicks out there, bro. Oh man, fuck the locals. The local boys were not stoked when thirty Kiwis who were keen to party moved into town. Eh, fuck, we got ourselves in some trouble, eh? Really? Um, yeah, we got banned from both pubs, and we just ended up having to like we just couldn't stay in Kilcoy on the weekends. We just would go to Noosa and uh, Malulaba and stuff. Cause no it, we shit. just, yeah, it, 
but um so i lived there for a year but like having that job meant i could i could save money quickly mm. and that's like what funded the two years that i was paying my own way on the world cup um but yeah so like with trail building and all the you know there's so many different aspects of mountain biking um and even in the racing like the pay the pay goes quite deep in the field and there's so many disciplines whereas mm. like i don't know i don't really know how it works for motocross but um yeah the actual pay you know, itself is shit yeah yeah so yeah we're yeah pretty pretty lucky um like i never would have thought like when i was at school I, like, it was fucking people thought i was like it was weird it was like an obscure sport to be doing mm. and now all those all those guys are sending me links to bikes asking me if this is the bike they should buy no which shit. is like buy a pivot it, yeah, yeah so it's got <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, 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 they all hit me up asking for a pivot and i'm like bro i cannot get you a deal <laughs> like it doesn't work like that and then people just think that i have this like i mean yeah we get a lot of bikes but like i do not have a treasure chest full of bike parts under my bed that is just there for me to give out to all my friends i like Hey bro, have you got an XTR derailleur? I'm like, nah. I, like, if I break one, I have to hit up Shimano to get one. I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Do you? And they just cannot get their head around it. Do you have a $300 envelope in your shed that I could just like come and take? It's like the same question. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, but um, but yeah. you get it for free, and I'm like, uh, yeah, well, yeah, but I like it's. I don't have it on me right now. Free ain't give free, you. bro. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but, it's um, something. It's nah. something that is um, super cool to sort of know that you're in a sport where, if you really did think about it, you could, you could make like. There's just so many avenues to to make money, and like I was even when Bailey was on the podcast the other day, we were talking about um, like if I was if I was like a pro guy that wasn't winning races, but like good enough to go to nationals. I'd go to like Yamaha or whatever and I'd be like, hey, I want my like race bikes and I want to do my racing. But every single weekend that I'm not at a national or every like once a week or twice a week, I'll take like three of your bikes and I'll do like demos. Like let's set up the insurance, let's set up the indemnity forms and I'll just like be at a bike park uh, at a local track with these bikes and I'll like supervise and it's like, and then Yamaha would like give me a wage. Like that would be so worthwhile to a company that if like mm. you did that and then you were a guy that you could introduce new people to the sport and you'd go to every Yamaha dealer in the area and be like, oh, I give them my phone number. I run these. It's free. They come. We got some gear and shit there. It's like, imagine how many bikes that you'd sell. It's like, those are the ideas that, you know, people should be kind of coming up with to like subsidize their lifestyle essentially because it's like you know when you were talking about your role as a team manager for those few years it's like yeah you just paid for your life for those few years it's not like you were saving heaps of money but like yeah this sick lifestyle and you paid for your life and essentially that's what i'm doing with the podcast like the shit that you guys see me do and hear me talk about that's just like the shit i want to do like i want to do jujitsu i want to fucking ride motocross and race and like carry on with my friends and then I want to do, I want to talk to people. 
So it's like, I just figure it, there's not really that much money left over. Like I ain't really banking much shit, but like, this is a lifestyle and I've figured out a way to subsidize it. And if you subsidize it for long enough and you get in a routine and you figure out how to build on it, then it's like you have this sick lifestyle that you've figured out how to pay for. And then now you're like constantly sort of leveraging it. But it's like, I just see well, so think, much. Um... Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. There. No, no, no. You, I, just th- I just think there's so much more potential than, than people actually think there is, you know? And especially in a sport like mm. mountain biking, I think there's even more than motocross. But I think um, a lot of people are like, the, the the ego gets in the way and they don't want to do that because it's not deemed the way cool that thing, like yeah. the cool guys or the pro yeah it's not the cool thing or it's not the way that like the pros do it but fuck if if, you, if you're going to a track and demoing three bikes and getting bikes to race and a wage not having to go to work you are the like one winning. who's you are winning hands down compared to the dude who can do like fat whips but has to go up to go and drive a dozer Monday to Friday <laughs> and still gets to go to the still has he drives the dozer to buy his bikes to race you and maybe goes a little bit quicker than you but like who's winning and it's like 100% the guy who's doing the demos and you know doing it, he's like in my eyes that's like you've cracked it for sure hmm. if you can yeah but that's kind of Whereas, what you did essentially yeah. like you started your uh, you started a race team on a bike that no one had fucking ever heard of <laughs> and you know yeah, yeah. and then, like that's exactly it's the same thing i just don't think that i don't think people frame it in that way i don't think like that's the perspective of the situation it's like this is the lifestyle i want to live i just got to figure out some creative way to subsidize it for a couple years and then you know you just figure out you you figure out a way then to like grow on that and on that and it's like that's sort of where i'm at with the podcast is like i've figured it out it pays for my life and now it's like how can i actually have this be like a thing that you do get all the other bullshit that people tell you you need to have like a fucking house and all that shit it's like i'll figure it out from here now but it's like it is here now and i've got that opportunity and it's like you've kind of got to i think if people frame it like that like figure out what's like the most povo lifestyle that you could live and, but doing the thing that you want to do and then just do that until you figure out how to make it have as much money as like any other bullshit thing that you could do. Yeah. Nah, I completely agree with you. Eh? It's like, um, yeah. And like, for, like there's loads of jobs and stuff that is in the mountain bike industry and you're never going to run out of people to talk to because mm. even if you talk to the same people again, like Chad Reed's life, five years on from the last time you talked to Chad Reed, people were interested in that because they were interested in Chad Reed before you talked to him. Yeah. And now they probably want it. They probably want to know what happened in five years in time between, since you yeah. last talked to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you, you've got this like bottomless pit of content as long as you've got the enthusiasm and the drive to like keep pumping it out. Mm. Um, that is like, that's that's sick because um yeah as long as like in your in your thing as long as you stay relevant uh and you know ask the right questions and keep the conversation flowing mm. like people probably won't get bored because you know like i listen to a lot of podcasts but i like regularly listen to your ones because um 
you know, like you talk to interesting people, you don't like dominate the conversation with like your own views, but you like have good, you know, you've got good chat and like some of these podcasters don't, mm. but the people they're interviewing do have good chat. So it's like, yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's like, yeah, hats off to you. It's like, it seems to be working and it's, yeah, I, you know, it's a cool thing that you've built. I appreciate it, dude. Well, I think that in that same way that like you would never have, you would never run out of, yeah, people that froth on mountain biking. And if you like, you guys are doing this cool thing that is like inspirational to people or like not, not necessarily inspirational, but like aspirational. Like I always, I wish I could ride a mountain bike the way that you do. And I think that if you present it in the right way, I don't think that people are ever going to get sick of somebody that's like, humbly ripping a bike and giving it to you in a way that like makes you stoked to ride your bike if that makes sense yeah and like i always try and think that like um you know you never want to make yourself seem out of reach so like Mm. you know like always be true to like you know like i'm happy to talk to anyone like if you bump into them i'll go riding with anyone because like you know it's actually way you know i I enjoy riding sometimes, you know, like, cause I ride so much. Sometimes I don't enjoy riding, but I enjoy riding with people. Mm. And that's, that's like part of it is like, you know, sometimes the only time that it never, it never feels like a job, but sometimes I have to go out and ride for three hours and it's like, I'm not that stoked on it. And I'm by myself. Um, yeah, it's just what has to get like, done. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, and it comes back to that whole thing is like, you don't have to do it. You get to do it. And I appreciate that. I'm lucky that I get to do it. I never mm. feel like I have to do it. Um, but if I was riding that three hours with someone, I, you know, if I bump into people on the trail on my three hour ride by myself, I always ask them where they're going. Cause if I can ride with them, it's so much better regardless of their ability. Yeah. It's sick. And then, um, yeah. And then like, you're kind of sharing the stoke and then they're stoked. So it's like, yeah if you can always if you can always do that if i can keep up if i can keep that kind of mindset um it's never really any bad days <laughs> yeah yeah that's so true so uh yeah. what's the what's the uh what's the plans for little off season 2020 before you uh get into the 2021 season um fuck uh, ride that yz boy yeah, yeah, got the YZ. Um, I live in a pretty crazy house in Queenstown with a bunch of the Vanzacs. Um, so I'll go back there um, and listen, listen let to me some, hear down. Listen or... to some drum and bass. <laughs> yeah, listen to some take, drum and bass. Take your uh, fucking shirts off and carry on. Yeah, yeah. We've like, I think in our garage we've got 20, over 20 CRF 100s. Oh. <laughs> uh uh, we've got a we've got a like we've got a Hundy Supercross track. We've got a Hundy's out Hundy Outdoors track. Um, yeah, everyone's got big bikes. Um, Queenstown's obviously a pretty fun place to be, mm. and, and summer in New Zealand is sick. So, looking forward to it. Like the last two summers, I've been at home where my parents live because I've been injured, and I never I never want to be injured in Queenstown because the lifestyle doesn't really lend itself to recovering well. Mm. um so i'm pretty pumped that this is my first summer uh for two years 
um, not hold, not carrying some quite, kind of injury. Last last year, I like almost completely wrecked my wrist to the point where it was game over. And then the year before, I had an ACL done. So um, now I'm pumped on it. It's going to be sick. And then I bought a BMW uh, cafe racer. Oh, um, sick. Yeah, like uh, Bernard was like, if you win any prize money this weekend, you have to spend it on a toy and it has to be spent straight after the race. And I was like, okay, sweet. Because you never like, you know, obviously prize money's sick, and but like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's few and far between sometimes. Yeah, you, know, you look, you lose a lot more races than you win. Yeah. Um, but it just so happened that 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 weekend I won some money, so I was like. I've been looking at these bikes on Trade Me, and I just so I bought this uh, R seventy five nineteen eighty six cafe racer. Um, so I'm pretty. I've, well, I don't even have a license to ride it, but obviously, <laughs> we'll get. You know, we 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 can we can get around that one day but, at a um, time. One day at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm only going cruising, officer. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So pretty pretty pumped on that. Um, and yeah, New, New Zealand summer in New Zealand is sick. I mean, it's the same as Aussie. It's like, but we, we definitely do it right down this yeah. part of the world. Eh? Dude, New Zealand, like, fuck, I've become a massive, massive, massive fan of New Zealand. I think I've been over four times now. I had a, a curse with New Zealand. I was, when I first started in Australia working for like the magazines and shit back in the day, I was still racing and I was getting invited to go and do these um, like bike tests, like new bike tests and stuff for magazines and, and launch events and shit. And, um, and yeah, like fucking, it would just, I'd break a collarbone, break a collarbone, break a collarbone. Like, so three, I had three trips to New Zealand plan and then three broken collarbones. So I, I was at one point in time, I was just resided to the fact that I would never go to New Zealand. And then, uh, yeah, I went when I finally ended up getting to go for the the first Supercross, and then that did the next year, and then I did Ben Townley's tour, and then Farm Jam. So I've gone like four times pretty well back to back, and that place is just so fucking insane. And like that week at Townley's is still, I think, of all the shit I've done in my life, of all the places I've gone, of all the fucking epic shit, that week was probably the funnest week. Yeah, now that uh, now that I've kind of got the moto bug, and uh, obviously I'll give it a bit more time until I'm safer. But fuck, I really want to get a few of the boys together and uh, do one of Townley's weeks, eh? Because oh man, um, it'll just it'll just be like yeah, you guys already sold it to me. But um, yeah, nah, definitely want to do it. Um, just it'd be sick to just get a crew together and do that kind of thing. Because obviously, like you can go and um you can go and do it all yourself in new zealand and stuff it's easy but uh just the whole like you know it's kind of sorted out you don't you're not like arguing about where to go riding and shit it's just you just turn up um i uh, i reckon it'll be a bloody good time eh you don't even have to put your fucking bike on the stand and they wash your gear like it's like <laughs> it's like yeah, a, yeah. it's like going on a boat trip surfing you know like we don't sort of yeah and that's one of the things I was talking about, like mountain biking and surfing and snowboarding, like all these other sports have so much more 
opportunity for like travel and these different kind of things and in moto it's just like so much harder to do but like this is a perfect example of like what bt's done with his tours is he's just taken the fuck around out of it and created this whole new thing and it's like yeah you can go do it with your mates and we go ride all the time but there was just something about that and then throw in the fact that you got a world champion to ride with every day and like the dude you couldn't roast ben townley hard enough and he's you know what i mean like that's so gnarly in a dude that was the best in the world at something like normally those kind of guys you can't roast them you can't give them a hard time but him is just like you could you he's like ice dude you can't burn him (laughs) oh that's good eh? it's good to hear um yeah i've only met him a couple of times but yeah no he's been pretty he's been a pretty solid bloke yeah well dude i want to when the borders open because i feel like uh new zealand's probably the first place that we're like aussies are going to be able to go so i think i'm just gonna do something go there get a van like even if me and sammy have to buy like a fucking thousand dollar van and i want to drive the thing from the north to the south and then even if we just fucking leave it somewhere and fly home you know Mm. but like man it'd be so sick and because there's so many cool people in new zealand that i'd love to get on board with that because like wind rides pretty good man like i've been riding with Wynn. yeah he, he he um yeah because like obviously me not really riding much moto i never go i would never go with him and i didn't have a motorbike and stuff um but yeah he goes he goes good now and uh mm. yeah so i was like fuck i can't i need to step up my game otherwise because uh we oh a couple of weeks ago, we went and rode at Dorno in Italy. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is my first This is my first outing to impress the older bro. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, nah. It, didn't, it, it went well, but it didn't go amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, nah, he, yeah. he honestly rides good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, where we, where we grew up and, like, when, when's it, when we're in – like I spend a bunch of my time in Queenstown, but Wynn spends a lot of time at home in our hometown. And uh, there's so many tracks. Like mm. you can ride private tracks five days a week if you want to. It's like uh, he, I, like when I'm at home, I, I like I only ever see him if we're going to ride the dirt jumps and stuff because he's always just out riding moto. That's and so there's sick. rides going on leading to row. Like you can you can be at a track in ten minutes from the middle of town. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like so accessible and it's probably it's like that um it's like that everywhere um you know the whole the whole country everyone every town has a motocross track if if you want to go ride man it's crazy Pretty... like the the times that we've been over there like my it's it's actually one of the sick that's one of the sickest things about instagram actually is anywhere we go we get dm'd with like sick private tracks now so like yeah. that was always the, the, oh, yeah, that was always so shit is that when you know you'd sort of travel to ride and you'd just get stuck riding whatever was around but like yeah nowadays we're just getting fucking flooded with this sick of shit like when berriman come over and we were supposed to do that road trip dude like i flagged so much stuff in my inbox i was like i'm coming to your house i'm going to your house but so same when i went to new zealand fucking i get hit up when i was in queenstown actually we were staying at the red bull house and uh i get hit up 
by this guy and he had like the dodgiest username. It was like 01121 Fluffy. Fucking, I was like, nah, I don't think I'm coming around. Oh, 021. Yeah, yeah, Fluffy. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know yeah. Fluffy. Eh? I know so, Fluff. Yeah. Fuck, turns out he's the biggest lord ever. But uh, he like, right. hits, <laughs> he's a, he was a good mountain biker too, eh, in the day. Yeah, he's, he's five-time New Zealand champ. Fuck, that's so hectic. Yeah, he rides sick on um, motor He is a loose unit. Oh, bro. I can't eat, I don't even know the half of it, I bet. Um, yeah, no, nah, he is a fucking loose unit, man. So, like, uh, now that, yeah, like, he's from Taranaki where we, me and Wynn grew up. And, uh, yeah, he <laughs> he goes, for an old dog, he goes so hard in all forms of life. It's, uh, yeah, you struggle to keep up. Oh, yeah, dude. So, yeah, he, he hits me up and he, like, sent me the, a message saying I got, you know when it's, like, too good to be true? <laughs> He's like, dude, got a sick private grass track. It's 10 minutes from where you're staying. Uh, I got a brand new 450 that you could ride. I got all this and I got all that. And I was like, this fucking sounds like it's, like, going to be really good. And that it's means... It's too good to be true. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's probably going to be dog shit. Yeah. And then Wynn hits me up. He's like, oi, bro, I'm going to go ride. And I was like, oh, where are you riding? And he's like, oh, this grass track 10 minutes out of town. And I was like, is that with Fluff? <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, how do you know? And I was like, oh, all right, yeah, I'm coming. And he's like, what? So then I was like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, I've like already been hit up. But yeah, like everywhere in New Zealand, as soon as we go there, that's the one place where I just get sent the most bullshit photos of tracks and i'm like fuck i'm coming here like doing townleys was sick but i want to come do townleys but then stay for like another week or so and just like drive and ride all of these crazy places because like i've never seen anything like it bro like um i feel guilty when you know people not like yourself but like if people from further afar come to new zealand because they like you know, like being bought <laughs> yeah. up a Kiwi and stuff, you know, they, they've actually seen more of the country than I have. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, we don't really go off the beaten path and do all these touristy activities, but I'm like, fuck. So like this summer I need, I'm like, cause I'm like, I never want to, I don't want to pay to go and like see something in my own country. Yeah. But uh, you see these photos and stuff and you see all these activities and I'm just like, fuck, I, I need to, you know ditch the ego and go and just like because every 100ks the country change changes so dramatically yeah um that there's there's just like so much shit to do like i love i'm a shit surfer but i love surfing mm. and like you, you can surf everywhere in new zealand basically there's, yeah I, I've wherever if there's, if, if there's coast if there's coast you can surf like where where we grew up there's like it's called the surf highway. There's like 50 surf breaks in like 50 kilometers. Wow. Um, yeah, I can be like, yeah. And you just like, you take it for granted. But then when you travel and stuff, yeah, I'm like, fuck, I'm always so stoked to come home. Cause I'm like, there's, yeah, I still have yet to fi really find a place that I would rather live than in New Zealand. Obviously you're biased cause you're brought up here and stuff, but nah, I man. We're, we're pretty I... lucky yeah i i totally agree like if i had to if someone said to me tomorrow they're like hey man no more podcast you you've got no more work to do you've just got to go and cruise 
you you know pick where you want to be to have like fuck all contact you know what i mean essentially we're cutting you off i'd be like hmm, i might go to yeah. rua <laughs> like live in <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. like go and live near near those boys and just have like fucking sick bikes and sick tracks and always seems like the dirt's good over there like you know because we got tons of cool shit here but we've we're so much more seasonal in terms of like of um mm. you know like we get the rain when it rains and then it's kind of too wet to ride and then when it's dry it's dry as fuck so we sort of don't have that climate to keep the dirt good even though we've got a bunch of cool tracks and like a bunch of sick shit whereas i feel like new zealand when we were there with bt it hadn't rained in five days it's like fuck it's dry eh where he's like hasn't rained in five <laughs> days like, like, this is the dream i know eh? like fuck it means you actually get to practice dust for once in a while yeah yeah no but yeah definitely it is um sick. definitely bloody lucky with uh you know the country that we have and even just the lifestyle like people like doing shit mm. you know it's uh well, maybe it's the circles that I run in and stuff, but um, everyone loves to do shit. It's like you're out moto, you're out mountain biking, skiing, surfing, snowboarding. Like uh, you make the most of like what we have and like you're kind of brought up with that from a young age. Like mm. um, obviously I, man I mountain biked from the – well, not mountain bike, but I just biked from the get-go. That was probably like – the staple uh, mm. activity that I did, but like, like, you know, I skated, I like, you know, surfing, um, you know, you do like so many sports and it makes these like so well-rounded, I think just yeah. doing a bit of everything. So, yeah, no, um, totally agree. Whereas like other countries, like from the UK and stuff, um, with a lot more people and limited space, I think like kids, you know, they have to kind of focus on one thing. They don't really get the opportunities to do a lot of shit because, um, you know, obviously it's really expensive, but like sport in New Zealand is quite accessible. Like, mm. um, you know, every town has a skate park and stuff. Whereas in the UK, like if, if you wanted to go to the skate park, you probably have to drive there. Mm. Whereas like, you know, I can't think I can, I couldn't imagine not having it. Like the, the skate park is, the skate park is a perfect, like, it's almost like the book of life. You learn how to navigate Dude. so many situations by hanging out at a skate park. Remember how, like, scared you like, were as a kid when, like, some fucking gnarly-looking cunts would rock up to a skate park and you just, like, were con yeah, yeah. convinced you were going to get fucking murked? Yeah, like, imagine, imagine turning up to a skate park and, but, like, so, like, you turn up and, like, some of, like, a lot of my mates are all got tattoos and shit yeah there's a kid there there's a kid there who is convinced that you're about to walk over and bash him 100 percent. i was that kid one trillion percent like yeah yeah and we so, used to we used I'm to like, get fucking bashed constantly at the skate park like where we lived was so fucking darrow and sketchy bro and like every time yeah. these kids rocked up we'd be like fuck we're getting in a fight but then you were too scared you didn't want to leave because then you'd look like a pussy and they just there yeah. was so much like fucking hectic social shit that went down in skate parks and dirt jumps dealing and with like, like uh, dealing with the council knocking your jumps over and and like you know there's 
fucking weirdo fuck weirdos turn up to the skate park because they know kids are there and you're just like yeah oh you fucking pedo and shit fuck off and you're like Dude. learn how to be a smart ass and then like you're fuck, dealing yeah, with the cops just, and like, the council yeah and then like getting drunk and shit and um it's it's like i always say it's like such a good um if you can survive it and and uh not turn into a fucking idiot um you learn so many good little lessons for navigating life oh at the man skate park. dude <laughs> i 100 100 agree well hey i got a bail dude but um it's been fucking Fair awesome ass. yeah i really really enjoyed having you on i knew it was going to be a good one and uh yeah stoked we uh stoked we got to make it happen ah, cheers for having me like uh i didn't have much else going on so managed to fit you in bro <laughs> yeah well fuck i'm lucky eh? i wouldn't have, would have to go through your people otherwise <laughs> oh yeah you'd, you'd be one of those dms that i forgot to reply to <laughs> yeah no, that's it well yeah man hopefully uh hopefully at some stage i'd love to get you and wind in the studio at some point hopefully if the world ever goes back to normal we could do some kind of cool content mountain bike moto fucking deal with you and and win and uh basically yeah. just an excuse to go back to the kilcoy pub really fuck it oh man i don't know if they'd be stoked to see me <laughs> <laughs> that shit's awesome all right bro well yeah, yeah i really yeah. really appreciate it man thanks heaps that was fucking rad to chat Sweet, dude. Uh, thank you so much it's been good it's been good to uh talk to someone um yeah lacking a bit of uh interaction at the moment nah just get on only fans bro yeah, Renee Gracie, it's going to be... I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I did. Sweet, boss. See you, mate. Ciao.